on today's show. We are getting to know Kelsey. But first, a word from today's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and to start feeling better because you, dear listeners, deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are the greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Getting to Know You Pod listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash getting, the number two, no, the letter U, it's just like the pod's name, that's betterhelp.com slash getting to know you. The link's in the description. AndrePsyche.com is gone. But Andre Psyche, the man on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, is alive and thriving. You're going to want to follow and message Andre. Why? Because he is the freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up. It's Andre Psyche the next time you're looking to add some creative stimulation to your social media circle. Listeners, listen up. Get 25% off your order at ShadyRays.com by using the promo code GETTING. Use GETTING, G-E-T-T-I-N-G, when checking out to get 25% off on the best sunglasses around. You see, Shady Rays takes extreme pride in their multi-layered lens technology, which is made for high visibility and strength to be shadow-resistant. And with free shipping and a lifetime lost or broken protection warranty, why would you choose any other brand? Go get you a pair, or fuck it too, by going to ShadyRays.com, perusing their polarized sunglasses, and then using the promo code GETTING when you check out to save 25% of your total. Support the Getting to Know You Pod's creative endeavors for as little as $2 a month on our Patreon. Your money will go towards the cost of producing, distributing, and improving the quality of this podcast. Again, you can go to our Patreon, links in the description, and for as little as $2 a month, you, yes you, can have a part in supporting the Getting to Know You Pod's mission of getting to know all sorts of new and interesting people. Two bucks, a little too much? Well, here are three, three ways to help. I don't know why I find that so clever. <laughs> Push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the pod on. Friend or follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Go to Apple. Write a review. Those, dear listeners, will cost you nothing but your time and will mean so much to the pod's growth. And now, Getting to Know You. Hello. Getting to Know You. Getting to know all 
I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you, putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. And Kelsey refuses to give me a safe word for when she's super tired and she'll just be nice and blunt and say, hey, I'm kind of tired. I got to bounce. Kelsey, thank you for taking time while moving into a new place to uh, let people get to know you, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I know. I'm happy to do it. Um, I did already previously say that I'm a little tired because I moved into a new apartment. So just so you guys get the behind the scenes. I'm a little tired. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Um Sometimes I feel a little tired. <laughs> yeah. So are you still, am I correct? Do you live in New York City? New York City, New York. <laughs> Dude, and I, I couldn't imagine. So rural Delaware, I get a U-Haul. I throw my Ikea couch in the back and I have no steps, no stairwells, no traffic. I pull into a driveway and I can move into a new place in like 35 minutes. Um, yeah, well, I learned I have um, just like so many uh, like r really stupid things, like not like big heavy things or like expensive things or like important items. I just have like a, a like just like trunks full of like little little tiny memory nothings that I'm like can't get rid of to, and I like I can't do it. They're just so special. <laughs> Like a bunch of like old movie ticket stubs. Yeah, like stuff. stuff like that. Like, um, you know, like if I got like if someone gave me like a Disney toy at some point, like I like can't <laughs> like I can't help it. This is from Coco, the movie Coco. <laughs> that dog was so stupid. That Um, I just like can't I can't help it. And honestly, if I'm being honest, my boyfriend too is a bit of a I would say he's someone who actually has a problem uh, with his little sentimental things. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these in real life. I definitely had not, but I'm staring at it, so I'm going to show it to you. It looks huge. Oh, my God, a Captain America shield. <laughs> can you can you bang it? Like, how like how thick is it's it? Like, it's like a full, like, it's thick. It's not, like, cheap. Oh, my God, yeah, dude. It's, it's got like the straps. It's like a metal. On the back this so one, you can put it on your forearm? <laughs> this one is, like, the good one, uh, apparently. And then, um, yeah, you guessed it. He bought a second shield that is less quality. <laughs> so it's, like, very important that we have not only one, but we have two Captain America shields in our home displayed prominently. I didn't know I was such a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Forced into it. Is this... I guess I guess I'm really into it. <laughs> now, have has he tried to in the relationship be like, look, we're gonna settle arguments somehow involving these shields. That's why we have two. Oh man, that would be great. I should I should say that now that you've said it. <laughs> I feel like I don't he's not he's a very gentle person, so Gosh. he wouldn't he wouldn't suggest uh, conflict. Battle. <laughs> <laughs> He wouldn't, I can't imagine him being uh, violent. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, which I think for me, because I'm, I'm such a wild personality, I think that's like uh, the best to, to be with someone who's very easygoing. <laughs> right. What um, So what made you move? Did you guys actually like move in together or you just found a better spot? Oh yeah, yeah, we moved in. Um, this is like our new part. We lived together at a different, smaller apartment, a really small apartment. Honestly, like one of those New York, 
New York apartments that that are so comically small, like that get people to like leave. <laughs> like I was just like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> square footage wise, I'm I'm a, such a numbers geek. Like three hundred um, square feet. Uh, uh, okay, like we had like uh, I mean, it's it was really tiny. Like I feel like if I actually did the numbers, it would be like, you know, I, I can't. I don't know numbers well, but it's really small. <laughs> How many... Did it sound like I was going to say numbers? <laughs> I tried. How many doors? I know one In door. In our old place, just one door. Just the door to the out to the hallway and then one door to the bathroom. And the bathroom had no windows. <laughs> it was really, it was really like, a, um, yeah, I really want to live in New York City kind of apartment. And just grab it? Yeah, it was really small. When I first moved to New York, I'm originally from Texas, Houston, Texas. So when I uh, came here at first, I moved here to go to graduate school. And uh, my boyfriend was still living in Texas. And uh, I lived here by myself for for a year. Oh, wow. um, And went to graduate school and started graduate school and kept going. (laughs) Yeah, right. I finished finished it off. I had, um, so I had listened to your first episode of, um, the podcast on two scoops network. Oh, you did? You listened to me and Jamie? Yeah. Entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. That's so nice. That's really nice of you. What'd you think? I thought it was a good episode. (laughs) Honestly, I, I, it was, it, it's a weird space for people like you, super talented. I, I don't know Jamie, but. She also seemed extremely talented. Yeah, cut to it like, down. To like brag. She's, she sucks. <laughs> She's my best friend. <laughs> She's so talented. I mean, you did carry the podcast. I, I, I oh, that's what I put in the reviews. Oh, shots actually fired. Oh like, my god, I'm not going to tell her to listen to this. Now. <laughs> thank God Kelsey took control because it was at two she, stars for a moment there. No, I'm just she. Kidding. She's so funny. Jamie, uh, she's my best friend. She's she's not a comedian, but she's a really funny person. And uh, she competed in a comedy competition one time for fun, like the third time she ever she's she's only had to stand up maybe like five times. And uh, the like the third time she did stand up, she won a comedy competition. <laughs> How many people entered though? I think like a hundred. No shit. And the club was like, okay, so like you're going to feature for us next weekend and we're going to bring you out with this headliner. And she was like, actually, I'm going to dip because I live in New York City and I am just going to go back there. And but thank you for um, uh, for me winning. Dude, <laughs> those other people had to be so spiteful. I mean, I think she's not the kind of person to go around and say that kind of thing. I'm the kind of person to be like, and this is the third time I've ever done this. And, and I'm, I'm like so up here freestyling it's anyway. Actually crazy. Why do you guys have notes and like things to read? No, I just get up here and talk. But I would have never been like that about stand up. Like I, I would have been like that about like any other thing. Oh, <laughs> I'd yeah. be like, I'm just like good at it. I don't know. I'm just like, listen to me sing. It's just amazing. <laughs> Without even warming up. No, but the 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 thing I took away at the podcast because I think it's a it's a hard balance to like promote yourself but not to be overly arrogant about accomplishments and about how do you hard think it I was is. too arrogant? It's okay, you can tell me, tell me the truth. No, no. If if anything, I think I got I actually enjoyed it when you guys started talking about the details of your accolades. Like the Miss New York story is fucking hilarious. Oh yeah, that's a that's a story. <laughs> yeah, the the um sexual assault op ed like the Game of Thrones mind game to have the dude come and be a part 
and have to like I mean, read about his yeah. own assault. I, and I know like for people listening, I haven't listened to your episode. This is over their heads, but hearing those things and then being like, Oh shit. Yeah. You're in the New Yorker. Oh my God. You, you have a piece in time. And then you like, do, I don't know. It was just, it's neat to get into the details. And I was like, I, I could tell you guys were a little apprehensive about being like braggarts and coming off as like overly cocky. At least that's how I took it. I think, I think you're totally right. I think we're both very proud of each other. Like it's like very easy for me to say that I think Jamie is so talented and it's easy for her to say that she thinks that I'm very talented. So when we talk to each other, it makes it a lot easier to like talk about our accomplishments. Um, but like, yeah, on my own, like I definitely, uh, uh, you know, I like to say how great I am, but it's, yeah. uh, you know, how long can I say that? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, then then you're just I don't know, repetitive and. Okay, so you're um, you're a teacher. What um, would do you tell people like what students you teach? Is that something you share? Students? Yeah, no, yeah, I'm a middle school. <laughs> like I'm, how old they so are? I'm a, I'm a middle school reading specialist. Is my position now. But basically, oh, okay. ELA teacher. I love writing. that. I have dyslexia, so I went to a lot of reading specialists. Yeah. Did and did any of them cure you? Because I've tried to help parents understand, like. Yeah. It, no, I just don't. I think dyslexia works like being gay. It doesn't really go away. Exactly. You just learn how to like be gay. That's, so that's what I think. Parents they <laughs> they come to these meetings, man, and they want it cured. And you're yeah. like, I, I think it's just going to be a process that we're going to work with like coping skills. And why don't we yeah. build up their confidence this way? Every time they see a book, they don't think they're a complete idiot because maybe they can't say a word right or it takes them longer to read a page. Like, oh, yeah. Like about- I have like a series of defense mechanisms for reading that I'm like, oh, it like helped me learn how to be like. I was like a very manipulative child. Like I'm now realizing I'm like, I was just naturally like, Oh, you just manipulate people. <laughs> you mean to like actually not have to read the book, but be able oh, yeah, to very much, very give the much. answers. I, I used to like get other kids to read to me what the book was before I would have to read it. I'd be like, just like read it to me real quick. And then they'd read it to me. And then the teacher would be like, okay, Kelsey, now you read. And I'd be like, got it. <laughs> I just memorized it. <laughs> No shit. Like your brain worked like that. You were able to like, yeah, like I was very much like, uh, just like, don't ever tell anyone you can't read. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) It, so it was like a real stigma then for you, huh? Are you in like an uppity or school where you're feeling all this pressure? When, when I was in school or when I was like for the dyslexic thing. Cause like, so nowadays most kids actually are like, yeah, I just have dyslexia. And there, oh, yeah. there doesn't seem like, to be I as much of a stigma. When I was actually like in, I was really lucky because my parents care so much. <laughs> I had really good parents and my mom like worked really hard. Like they changed me in school like one time and I went back to the, my original school when I got, di- and then I got diagnosed at the other school. So then I went back to the original school where like at public school in Texas um, the reading programs were really good. Like in the, in the nineties, they were like, uh, just getting like funding for dyslexia and stuff like that. So like I could get more help with the government for free than I could have. But then my parents would like, um, also get me like a regular tutor to like, to try to like help me who would be like a reading specialist. Like I I remember going to like two or three different reading specialists and they were all like really nice women Yeah, who like were very aware of the fact that I was really smart and that I was probably going to be mean. 
and like to, that's like the them? most interesting thing oh yeah like I would just be like you know they'd be like okay now read and I'd be like what's your like husband's name is it said with a hard c or a soft c <laughs> like I just like would just never let them teach me how to read and they were like you're very good at avoiding learning how to read that's like a very impressive skill and not as uh, important as maybe reading but really more beneficial. really probably second to read more beneficial why like were you just upset or you didn't want to be embarrassed why resist the help Oh, yeah. No, I was like, I truly as a child thought reading was so stupid and I didn't need to learn it. And like, it's fine that everyone else was really into it. But like, I didn't need it. Obviously, I was doing fine. Or else wouldn't I be like sad or something? I was just like, I reading's like not for me. And now I think you can get away with saying stuff like that. Like the videos are so popular. Oh, 100%, man. I feel like when I was a kid, people were like, you have to learn how to read. And now I'm like, I don't know, maybe I was right all along. (laughs) To be honest with you, like the sitting and reading does help your comprehension. I think the way the brain engages, whatever. But like... Yeah, well, nothing helped me read more than writing. Like when my teachers would tell me like, writing is reading like that is it's the same concept and then I I was like okay well I'll write so I never had trouble writing like even my spelling was really bad always like so poor but my the things I was writing were always like I loved writing and I really enjoyed it and I just was like the older I got the more at the beginning of my school years I would just tell my teachers I had dyslexia and I'd be like if you want to grade me for grammatical error, like I'll just like take that to like whoever's in charge of you and I'll complain about it. <laughs> Fucking up my GPA. <laughs> That's good. And they were just like, Oh, interesting. I was like, I have a disability. I have like, a, I have like a paperwork that says that. So like I deserve an A. <laughs> See, that's funny that you had to, I deserve an A. Um, <laughs> you had to advocate, like you actually literally had to have those conversations with teachers oh yeah and I remember even like when I got my first like office job I was like man should I tell them I have dyslexia or not because I was a um I was a tech writing intern so it was like a lot of writing and I was like no I'm just like not going to tell them whatever but every once in a while I really would like you know I just have dyslexia so I'll just like miss a word or completely write a different word and people would be like Kelsey what a hilarious typo and I'd be like it is funny can you fix it (laughs) Because I'd be like, I don't see what it is. <laughs> like, I'd read it back and I would be like, I don't see the typo. You mean the one with the letters in it? Yeah, like, that is a like, bad typo. Like, visually, I was like, I don't, I can't do that job. Like, even just as literally, like, uh, the other day we sent out for, like, our Two Scoops uh, podcast network thing, we sent out, like, mailers to people who, like, we thought would really be interested and like stickers and such and they were they're really really cute and I was like hey it would be great I sent this to my to Jamie my business partner I was like be great if you read back over the letters to just make sure um that I like didn't like do anyone twice or like that I spelled everyone's name correctly and she was just like kind of in a hurry and was like um no just like do that yourself and I was like okay well I could get it wrong like I that's like this is like a thing that I could get wrong and she's just like not really paying attention you know she didn't realize how big of a deal was and I explained it to her like three times she was like no that just doesn't make sense to me and I was like okay well um 
that's fine. Like, I get it. You don't want to like read over these letters that I did, but like, um, someone has to. So I had to make my boyfriend do it. (laughs) Did you? I was just like, as like a a person who is in charge of things, like I'm aware of the fact that I'm not the right person to be doing this job. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Have you ever, cause it's something we talk to with students. Have you ever done like the text to speech? So like you type an email and then you have it read back to you as you're doing dishes or whatever. I have done stuff like that. I mean, like, I feel like doing stand-up, like, becoming a stand-up comedian, like, is the reason that I'm a writer. Like, because I was just, like, so sick of writing and then not um, not having it really be anything. I'd just be like, well, it's just, like, another thing I wrote. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, who cares? But then as soon as I could, like, perform the things that I wrote, then I was like, oh, writing is, like, this whole other thing. Hmm. Um so I don't know. I really enjoy writing, but I haven't, I have done some like talk to tech stuff, but like, I, I think I like the idea of like sitting down and like the words coming out to my oh, hands. No, dude, for sure. Cause that's, to me, that's the best. It's even not the same as typing. Do you type it or do you actually handwrite it? I do both. I do both. I like walk around with like notes all the time. Like I'm a yeah. big sticky note person. So I'll just like put up a wall of sticky notes of like all the things that I have interest in or like joke collections or like, it's just like a small schedule. And then like a collection of like notes or like ideas about like one bigger idea. I'll just like list, you know, Yeah, yeah. I, I'm like very visual. So if, uh, if I can't, if I like put it in a book and I like hide it, if I put it in the word document and I like, you know, save it, I'm like, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, we're just- <laughs> Like if they if I don't see it, it's actually literally gone. <laughs> it's the bathroom mirror. Can you like how do you describe dyslexia if you're trying to explain it to somebody? I'd say um I'd say for me, I know there's like a lot of different kinds of dyslexia. So like I had dyslexia and dysgraphia. So oh. like I also had to learn how to write differently, which I also like learned how to write, like hold my pencil correctly and such. Mm. Um, uh, just like to comply. And then I still write, um, really strangely because I was like, fine, I learned it, whatever, pass me out of this class. And then I just went back to writing the way that I always write. And they were like, um, we've really actually never had a student say that before to us, that they just were only learning it because you were, they were being forced to. Forced to. Well, that's what kind of sucks for kids. Especially. I was just like, this learned behavior is not my style. Thank no, you. Compliance. <laughs> I'm not, not maintaining your compliance. Like they're, they're, a lot of intelligent, quick-witted kids get so bored with the basic lessons that it it, it turns them off, man. And it, it's Yeah. I mean, like, I was always so much more into comprehension than I was into, like, any of the rules or of anything. And, like, I still think that's the best way to learn how to do anything is just start doing it. Like... You could explain to me all day, like, the different ways you could do something, but until I do it, I could care less. Like, it's just my kind of personality. I think it, and I guess, I'm, I don't know if harping's the right word, but why, um, just keep going back to the dyslexia thing. I was actually working with several kids this school year with it, and I like the fact that you've accomplished so much, and you have all these different interests and professions, and it's not like you're the dyslexic poster child or anything, but it's pretty cool when I'm in my head, selfishly, I'm no next year, I'll be meeting with students who have dyslexia. I'll be able to use this conversation as a reference point to build them up 
to build up their confidence so that maybe they can focus on the successes. So that's I, just to give you background. Like, oh, why yeah. I'm like, I know, like, the system really beats kids down into thinking that they're not smart. Like, if you yes. can't read, uh, like, it took me until I was literally in college to be able to read out loud in class. Like, I just wouldn't do it. I'd be like, no, thank you. I'm yeah. like, you can't force me to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, teachers would be like, yes, I can. And I'd be like, I'm going to talk to the principal now. I know. That's the worst. And they'd be like, okay. And I, I was just a very, uh, I, I was always in school. Up until when I was in graduate school, I was like, I remember they emailed me and they were like, Kelsey, um, you haven't signed up for any of your classes online for the last semester, um, but you keep going to these classes. And I was like, yeah, those are the classes I'm going to. If you could just like, you know, sign me up for them or whatever, that'd be great. <laughs> and they were just like, fine, we signed you up for the classes. And I was like, great, thank you. <laughs> like, should have done it before you emailed me. Would have saved us both time. <laughs> I was just like, I don't, I, what, I'm, I'm going to graduate. Like, what are you going to not have me graduate? I was in the New York Times. Like, that's, I guess. <laughs> Help me. That's something you had said, Um, I again, on the episode I was listening to, where it was like, my grades got better after after I was oh, in the yeah. New York Times. I never, I never got anything but an A after I was in the New York Times. Help me under, help me understand that because that's so hard for me to get. Like, what well, I think I had one teacher before that who didn't like me very much, who would give me B's sometimes. But then after that, people were like, "Well, you're like an accredited writer. Like, what? How are we supposed to not give you an A?" Because uh, that makes because the whole point of going to grad school is to then become an accredited writer. So if you already accomplish it, it's like, nope. I mean, I went to learn. <laughs> I went to learn and to be like rude because I have dyslexia. So I wanted to be like, yeah, I have dyslexia and I'm better than all of you. <laughs> but the students in my class were, I would, they would get mad at me because a big part of graduate school, I didn't know. I didn't know this was a big part of writing graduate school is you write your whatever thing, then you bring it all to class and then you have to read each other's thing and give notes. So my notes would be like, I would give like punch-ups, like I'd be like, this joke could be better, like the plots, like I don't know if I get the plot, and I'd just like write like a page of notes like that, and people would be like, you're really supposed to be editing for grammar, and I was like, you really want a dyslexic person editing for your grammar? <laughs> like, you sound dumb. <laughs> Dude, that's, I, I, yeah, I would think it'd be way more valuable to get into the content more so than semicolons and... Like some people were just like really, um, you know, uh, focused on writing like, uh, something that could be publishable, I think. And I, and I understand that that makes so the, sense. Like, like the technical aspects. Yeah. Of it like really they were matter? like really writing like a chapter of a novel and they were like, please, please edit this for me so that when I show it to publishers, like it's good enough to show to them. And I'm like, uh, okay. I get that. Gotcha. I don't even dislike that. We spent so much money at this school that I'm like, I understand. You know, we really want to get something out of it. I'm like, yeah. you shouldn't be asking me. I also paid money to go here, but you should be getting this out of this program. Yeah, that makes sense. How much ballpark? Help me understand. Also, um, how much does grad school in New York City cost? Oh my god! I I mean, you can go. I got a scholarship. I was really fortunate, and then. Um, but I think, like, if you just had to pay the regular old fee or whatever, I feel like it's got to be somewhere between, like, 30 and 50 grand, like, a year. A or year. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah that's the like dependent upon you know all your things your whatever but yeah I, I there's no way I could have gone to the school without a scholarship absolutely no way and I applied on a whim too <laughs> a whim as in I was working at um at a software company and I was like as a uh, tech writing person and then I switched over to um like basically like tech support um so I was like working in tech support and I was like being a comedian at night and I was like you know I really want to move to New York City and I kind of want to go to graduate school what if I just apply to graduate school in New York City and the new school the school that I went to it was the only school that they didn't make you take the um the GRE to get in the graduate basically the graduate school SATs they were just like if you're applying to writing school, you don't have to do that. You just have to send us your essays and like the things you've gotten published and like put together a little packet of your writing and just a regular application. And I was like, all right, I'll apply to this one graduate school, this one graduate program. And if I don't get in and it makes me feel bad, then I'll like study and like take the GRE and like try again. It's a good way to look at it. And I did. And I just got in and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go here. What were your, did you have any writing published or any sort of stuff like that before? Or did you just sit down and kind of freestyle some essays out? Yeah, I definitely did that. I just sat down and freestyled some essays out. And they were like really random too, because I applied to, I applied to the fiction program, which I didn't, I didn't end up taking. Hmm. So I applied and I got into their fiction program for the new school. And then I also got into their writing for children's program. I wrote up and I just randomly wrote a picture book. Dude, so I'm <laughs> you're I watched the video of you out in Seattle. <laughs> Fucking children's book. I watched a video of you doing stand-up. It penis CK. Is that the Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah. So like a minute and a half in, dude. A minute and a half in, the whole consensual bit that you do, pretty graphic. And now I'm like, applied for children's book? That's amazing. Yeah, the contrast. I would say that my mom has had these uh, thoughts. <laughs> you are not alone. <laughs> if you were wondering if other people have said that to me, I'm like, well, I'll never not be penis CK. So <laughs> you're going to have to like be on board with that. <laughs> Why go into, what did you like about children's literature that you wanted to get into? Oh, I love to, I like picture books. I think they're the best. I think they're like the most apropos, the most easy to read, the most easy to like enjoy with another person. Okay. I honestly think like other, like no offense to people who love to read, but I think like reading is very selfish. It's like a, a very alone activity. It is. It's like for people who like love solitude. <laughs> yes, I'd agree with that. I like to read and I also like to quietly sit alone. With my thoughts. And no one talked to me, and that would be great. But I call it learning or whatever. <laughs> I would not have thought about that. <laughs> if you applied to fiction, are you a short story writer? Or these essays like talking about your love of writing or what you hope to get out of the school? I No, so I wrote so I wrote a picture book, and I got into the writing for children's program. I also wrote an, a short essay, like a fictional short story essay about... Um, a girl whose mom dies in the hospital and I wrote it probably like stream of consciousness in like when I decided to apply to graduate school and I was like oh my god this story is so sad Um, but it had some really solid jokes in it so I'm like not surprised that I got into the program (laughs) okay and were you like purposefully are you 
so analytical with it that you're like, man, it's getting too sad. Let me just throw in a joke. Art? No, I think I wrote it totally stream of consciousness. And then when I wrote it, when I read it back, like I had some friends also read it back because I was, again, have dyslexia. So I was like, I got to have somebody take a pass at this. <laughs> um, so I had some friends like read it and stuff. And, and, uh, and I was like, I just thought they were like, oh, it's really good. It's emotional, whatever. And I, and I, and I just was like, I should add some more jokes. <laughs> Where did um, the sentiment come from? Girl, do you remember what inspired you? Um, I think I just love my mom and I just was like thinking like, what well, what is something that could happen that would actually like affect me? <laughs> I just really love my mom like so much. Um, yeah, but I, I didn't even end up going to the fiction program. I, I changed into nonfiction and that's when I started writing personal essays that were real about my own life. And that is what has brought me pretty much attention. <laughs> fame, fame and accolades. Uh, yeah, it's my, but I like, I like so much writing, um, what is like real-ish, you know, like I, I fancy myself in a Nora Ephron style essay writer. I'm like, I really, I like, uh, I like it when it's, it's I like it when it's true. Right. I, so what was the children's book about before we get into non Oh my God, fine, you'll love it. <laughs> It's called. Uh, I shouldn't. I shouldn't even say. I'll tell you off because I haven't published it, and it really is a good title. So oh, I'm not going to tell you. Are you going to actually publish it? Like that's a plan. Um. Yeah. I mean, like it's in. You know, hopefully the works for me for my life. Okay. <laughs> I would not say it's coming out anytime soon. <laughs> but I did. I mean, I went to school and I got great. You know, edits and whatever. And I've had some publishers interested. So I'm like, I, I feel I feel like as soon as I get one credit or whatever, people will be like, and what else have you written? And I'll be like, a children's book. <laughs> oh, so like, that's kind of how that industry works then. It's all about oh, getting yeah. a credit or two as far as I've been published here. And then they're like, right. well, your other stuff like, must be great. People, uh, like, you know, definitely when I had gotten in the New York Times, I probably should have like leveraged that more for mm -hmm. like, to get more things. <laughs> Other people definitely have done stuff like that and it's worked out for them really well. And then they're, you know, make money all the time and stuff. That sounds so nice. <laughs> yeah. If, especially if you actually enjoy writing and then you share it and want to make money on it. Well, I either enjoy it. Like to, it's like my heart's delight and I'm like so excited to get my ideas out or I will like, I don't think I've sat down and written something long form for, just like for that because I wanted to write it in like over a year and a half because I just did not feel like it yeah. okay and like some people are writers where they're like it doesn't really matter if you feel like it you just need to write you just need to and I'm like yeah. no I don't no. <laughs> I definitely don't well it seems like so. you got plenty of other stuff that like just you put that energy and passion into and like so maybe you do like podcasting for a while then that runs its course for a bit and then I would imagine you then get into the writing or maybe working on some stand-up. Yeah, totally. Like, I'm definitely someone who will binge one thing for a yeah. long time and then be like, and now I don't want to do it anymore. Right. <laughs> um, so you don't have to say the title, but, like, what's the premise of the children's book? Like, who's the main character? What's the conflict? Um, or is, does that mess it up, I, too? Yeah, because... that's all of it. That's the whole thing. Uh, I'll, see, tell, I'll tell you later. I'll tell okay. you. I'll tell you. You'll, you'll like it. Good. So, dude, have you seen the... Um, I guess it's like an adult children's book. It's like, go the fuck to bed. Go yeah. the fuck to sleep. I liked, I liked that one. I liked it. You know, I like that. 
anyone has made money off of just putting the word fuck in things makes it's, me so happy. <laughs> it's so basic, dude. Like, how did this not come out earlier? I, I, just... I, I think people are just, like, really fine with the word fuck now. Like, really, really fine. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Um, but I really like, uh, like, BJ Novak has a children's book called The Book With No Pictures. And it's just a it's basically just a word book and it, and you're just like reading it and the narrator, like whoever is reading the book, like kind of becomes, you know, the book tells you how to narrate the book. It's very sweet. Oh, it's interesting that a girl with dyslexia who doesn't like to read's favorite picture book is a picture book with no pictures and just words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right for me. <laughs> You can tell your dyslexic students, be like, I talked to this girl with dyslexia. She was so confident about it. <laughs> just, just gave zero fucks, kids. She just was like, yeah, if you, like, sometimes people, like, I remember getting really, people would make fun of my spelling. And when I was younger, I would be like, okay, well, I guess I'll never show my writing to anyone. Like, that'll solve oh, that. man. And then, and I did. I really didn't show anyone anything. I'm, like, very um, stubborn i'm very stubborn so if i don't want to do it i'm just not gonna do it seems like it and uh <laughs> you know it, it would really be nice if i helped my own self out sometimes uh <laughs> but uh yeah when i was younger like if you're someone who uh i didn't think you were like really my real friend and you were making fun of the way i was spelling i would just be like um that's not very nice of you and then i would never talk to them again <laughs> I'd just be like, they're not going to like me. Yeah. We, I don't need to, like, spend my time talking to someone who's going to, like, bully me for, like, literally the smallest things. Do you – did that mentality carry into you turning in assignments or, like, even trying to get feedback and get better as a writer at a younger age? Like, would you have been able to avoid grad school had you just let your seventh grade teacher give you some real legit feedback? What, what do you mean, avoid graduate school? Like you could have been like six years ahead of the curve. So if you're hiding or holding these things back and not like getting the feedback, seeing the response. Oh, oh, um, no, I always took responses from my teachers. I okay. never took responses from other students, even tell when I was in graduate school. I still have a stack of other people's notes on my work that I never read. <laughs> Why? You know, I think maybe one day I'll read it. No, like, but why not? <laughs> why not? It was really expensive. Down. The school was so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's rude not to keep it. <laughs> and then just have to move it into your new place. It's just another thing to carry. Reminds me. It's like my student debt just weighs me down. Yeah, man. It's like, um, I really, I'll spend time though going over my old notes and old stuff. Like sometimes like I'll like really get into like, really like I have, all of a sudden I'll have vested interest in myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't happen often, but every once in a while I'm like, oh, a diary entry from 1995. <laughs> it's a time capsule. Why not like take the feedback or reflect on the feedback that people are giving you? How come just from the teachers? You know, I just was like, um, maybe I would have taken their feedback. Like, we, they had, like, time to say their feedback out loud during class. So I would, like, have to take their feedback in that way. But, like, 
reading my own essay, reading it with other people's edits that were also in the same program as me, I'm like, I don't know, I just don't feel like you're better than me. Gotcha. <laughs> but, like, the teacher's edits I always thought were, like, very good and very, very aggressively grammatical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... Some, why do you think that, Matt? Like, if calculators can do so much for numbers, why hasn't, like, Microsoft Word or Pages, whatever... Why is well, that I just the grammar I think it's getting calculator. there. Like Grammarly, I heard is good. I've been recommended that sometimes. Like what you're saying, like talk to text, like diction, dragon diction is supposed yeah. to be good. Like I don't get why it's such a holdup though. If we've just accepted calculators, but we haven't accepted it for words. I don't know. Some people are just like really um, sticklers. They really like um, like uh, I know people who love to read and they love it so much and they love to correct people's grammar and they like think it's like a good time i think that's the problem elitist like i think editors are like i don't even know if it's elitist i think it's like just a certain type of brain you have that the people are like this is how i'm better than you i see small grammatical errors this and is it's how like, i'm better than you isn't that elitist um but like they're not actually better than anyone else like i don't think it takes like much of a education to be good at grammar <laughs> it's just a rule follower i mean it really it's is like yeah i think it's like a real weird I don't know, like, I enjoy people who have dyslexia because I'm like, things don't just work for us. So, like, if you're someone who's accomplished a lot and you have dyslexia, you're someone who, like, really knows how to work with other people, really has probably a really good skill that other people don't have. Like, there's probably something about you that's very special. Did you come across any other kids or any other people, I shouldn't call you kids, any other people with dyslexia um, in the grad program? Um, no, not in the graduate school program. Because I'm just so, it, it's, again, like my favorite picture book being one of all words and no pictures. Like, it's interesting to go that route of, I really, the reading aspect is struggling with, I, I struggle with reading. So I'm going to get a grad degree and deal with nothing but words. Like, I love it. I love the contrast of it. It's not like you were like, hey, I'm just going to do going to go to comedy school where I can just talk all the time it's like no man I'm gonna get into words yeah well I think it's really my uh you know personal style to just do things the hardest way they can possibly be done <laughs> or not at all <laughs> um and then also I was like if I'm gonna be a writer if I'm gonna go into being a writer like what does being a writer mean I have no idea I know I'm a very funny person I know I had gotten through you know regular college so it's like I must be pretty good at stuff but to me, I, mean, I had been published, like, in my college newspaper and, and stuff, too. But I was just, like, and I got asked to join the college newspaper by, like, a friend who knew I was, like, funny. <laughs> like, it was, like, very casual. What were you writing for the college newspaper? Like, events. Like, they'd have, like, you know, I think. And I would write about it. Like, I'd write, like, write-ups and reviews of, like, events on campus. <laughs> Oh, so then your personality and the way you're wording things, your take on the event, just... Gone. Yeah, gotcha. I wrote one, I read one I had in my, like, in my childhood bedroom, my boyfriend and I were just in Texas, and I read over, like, one of my college writings, and it really was about, like, um, it was about tattoos and how I think tattoos are, like, good, and I was like, that's so cute. Like, the cutest thing, like, no one was, like, tattoos, good or bad. I was just, like, I'd like to write an essay about how I personally like tattoos. And I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> but you can appreciate it. I wasn't planning on getting one. Like, I just was, like, 
a lot of my friends have tattoos and I like love that. <laughs> like I was just like a tattoo ally. <laughs> I'm an advocate. <laughs> so silly. I'm an advocate. That's there's nothing wrong with that. Like you can't be a tattoo advocate if you have no tattoos. I just have never read anything like that before. <laughs> Gosh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Help help me understand, because I'm not someone who has ever been published. I don't understand how it's competitive. Well, you're or... a teacher. You could. You've got. You've got the skills, man. You can get published wherever you want. No, and now those, everyone's those, a writer. Everyone's those, a writer now. I think. Yeah, everyone's a podcaster now. And with those... social with social media. Oh, you think everyone's a podcaster? Yeah. I think everyone's like kind of a writer. Yeah. Well, you have to like write your little posts and stuff. Those at who the can't... beach with friends. Hashtag best day. <laughs> like I think that counts. <laughs> yeah, is it, so I should start like screenshotting. Or just yeah, waiting for Facebook and to just bring like compiling, see, see, and then you can read back and be like, okay, I, I see my voice. <laughs> and then I pitch that as what? Um, you know, probably make it into something a, a little bit better, oh, okay. and then pitch that as something. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> just take the take whatever you're like. Okay, well, there's kind of an idea here, and then make a, a real essay out of it. <laughs> yeah, but like, so that's something I don't. I guess like maybe I've never felt strongly enough about something to yeah, try to yeah. Voice I would it. say that's what has led me to all of my writing is feeling strongly about something. Right. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. And then whatever I, you feel strongly about, that's pretty much all I think people should be writing about. And I don't think you should write about anything. Like people will write like, uh, okay, like movie reviews, and just be like, I just didn't like it very much. Like it just wasn't my style. And I'm like. Either you're saying something that is like actively wrong, like morally or otherwise, or like you're just complaining. Like, I don't like lots of stuff. Like, calm down. You're just whining. Just like, it's either immoral or it's fine. So, so when you're writing about your passions, do you, do you have certain outlets that you're like writing for? Are you to the point now where you know like, this type of publication likes this type of length, this type of wording. I mean, yeah. Um, like, I would definitely not say that, like, anyone is, like, gunning for my writing in a way where I'm like, oh, I just write a piece and I shoot it off to NewYorkHuffPost.com, whatever. And yeah, that's freelance every time. Right? Um, yeah, no, I just, whenever I want to write something, then I've learned through that process, like of just wanting to get something published. Like, you know, you just, I start where everybody else started. Okay. Well, what's the, like, uh, all the editors of the New York times, like let's go on that website and figure it out. And then, you know, went through it and try to figure out like their submission process and Google, like what happens when you apply the New York times? How do you do that? Like all, all like I did it the way anyone else would do it. And so that would, does that minimalize it for you? You just seemed like you just like, I Googled how to do it and I was able to do it. So then why I mean, it, it took like a lot of like um, me asking people questions and then people were like, um, actually, like that's none of your business. <laughs> why? Why are they so closed about it? You know, because information is like power. So like if you have like the way to get something somewhere and you can withhold that from someone, then people usually do. I never do. I always give people everything. And then people are like, you're the first person who ever like really gave me a connection. And I'm like, yeah, I'd give them to anyone, anyone who seemed moral. I'd throw it. I'd be like, this is great. Yeah. I don't, I don't get that, man. I, I don't get how people. I mean, are... people feel like they worked really hard for what they figured out. And I just always have felt like 
it's done me so much more good to be like, even if I did, it took me a long time to figure something out. I might as well save someone else that I like a lot of time and just tell them. Yeah, because at worst, like it would advance the profession and things would get better. I would. I think. Think, I think some people are so worried though that the other person is going to like surpass them if they figure out the thing that you figured out, and it's like, yeah, everyone surpasses everyone. Yeah. Right. Isn't. Yeah. It's just the circle of life. Lion King taught us that. Like as much as I think that, like. Um, you know, I'm not better than anyone else. Like, I also think like, and no one is better than me. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, that, that's like that healthy confidence that you would need to put yourself creatively out there. I see it. I also coach basketball and we tell the kids all the time, like it's, you've got to believe after you miss that your next shot's make. Like no one, oh, that's no nice. one should yeah. believe in you more than you. And if you're there, you're there for a reason, man. So believe in yourself. There's nothing worse than going out not believing in yourself. I feel like you just described the reason people like the show, the Ted, the Ted Lasso show. Do you know it? The one with uh, Jason Sudeikis. Okay. He plays like a soccer coach. Oh, on Apple TV. Yeah. yeah and I, I think people it. really are getting a lot out of him being like, you just got to try again. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's something. People are like, I really needed someone to say that. Yeah. I'm amazed at how. Just like nice, just a nice man being like, just pick yourself back up. Yeah. Like, dude, it's okay, and not the end of the world. We'll just figure it out, and it's not as dire as people think. And I've noticed that with kids who are performing, and I've just speaking with different people who put creative things out there. There's the real fear of the pronoun they. They they they're gonna say something, and you're like, oh yeah, and you're like, that's a, that's a very real thing, though. I get that. Well, now I've actually had people who are not just like they. Like I know specifically who they are, who are like, I fucking hate your work. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> so that's like a whole different thing. But I would say when I was younger and I remember like the first time I caught someone saying something like that, like they say it's really good for you to eat this thing or whatever. I remember saying, who is they? Who are you talking about when you say they? And they were like, they, you know, Scientists. and they really, they really didn't have like an answer. And then I remember asking that probably like, the next five times I heard someone do that, I was like, who is they? Who are you talking about? Yes. And then I was like, it took me a long time when I was like probably ten, like eight or 10 to realize like they is just a way people talk. Like mm -hmm. they're people want to say something, but they really don't know how to say it or be accurate or factual or really explain an idea. So they just generally say it and they say someone else said it. Dude, it's, it's a personification of their fear. It's that, like very interesting. No, it, and it's so common. I see it with teachers all the time. Teachers won't make an instructional decision because of they. And I'm like, well, who's they? Wow. Well, you know, the parent. Well, what parent in particular do you anticipate emailing you? Just like the fear. Yeah, yeah, I guess like I haven't let my fear stop me from doing things. But I've done a lot of things I would not suggest other people do. <laughs> do you have a top 10 list? Is there a sticky note next to you that you can pull uh, your top 10? Of the things that I've done that I'm like, probably don't do that. Yes. I mean, yeah, like don't, um, don't uh, aggressively mock a famous sex offender. He'll find out who you are. <laughs> and no way. And continue. And so, well, so all what, his friends, what's the fallout and they won't think you're very nice. <laughs> And here's the thing, I don't think they're very nice. <laughs> I think they might be sex offenders. <laughs> How are they just reaching out to you on social media? 
like DMs? Oh my god, no. I mean, some people who hate me, like, tag me and stuff and whatever, but, like, for the most part, people leave me alone because they know what they did, what they did, and they, like, don't need people calling attention to it. So, like, they're not trying to interact with me, but they definitely know who I am. (laughs) So how do you know Louis C.K. knows who you are? Um, I mean, technically I don't. Technically, I don't. I have no way of knowing that. And absolutely, for the record, I don't want to interact with him in any way. People are often ask me, like, if I was trying to get to open for him or if I'd like to open for him or interact with him. And I'm like, no, I would like sex offenders to not be welcome in stand-up comedy um, locations physically for safety reasons. Um. But, yes, I know enough people in comedy that I have been told as such. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine somebody's fucking with him, showing him a video at some point. I think that a lot of people who do bad things, who are very invested in their own, uh, you know, self-image, even if they're not on social media, like with their own accounts are looking to see what other people say about them all the time. I think they're the kind of people who look more than anyone else. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Like Chris D'Elia. Like I think he was, is the kind of person that uh, was very much aware of the fact that he was going to go down for grooming and sexually assaulting minors, many, several, several. Dude, the fact that he was on you as that as a, As a pedophile, yeah. As that fucking character. So, um, shameless plug, and it's not substantiated. I'm not a journalist. Her episode... To me, you're a journalist. Thank you. Hardcore journalism right here. I've had a girl, um, Sarah, on the podcast from Michigan, who, um, not sexually assaulted, but hooked up with Chris. Yeah. Because yeah. like well, I how guess old was she? Twenty three, twenty four. But it when was it this... happened, so he was like forty. And so she was like it was this whole story of like how the dudes creeping in like her DMs on Instagram yeah. and like she yeah. had been shooting like message replies on stories and then he's sending her weird messages about like, oh your yeah. kids look so cute. Chris D'Elia would reach out to teenage girls on the on yeah. Instagram and be like, what, what are you doing tonight? I have a show in Cincinnati. Yes, dude. That, and, and they'd be like, I'm sorry, I have school tomorrow. And he'd be like, it doesn't matter. Come out to the show anyways. I, what do you think it is like about, like, wh- why does that happen? I think that people know they can take advantage of naive people and they don't feel bad about doing so because in the moment the person being taken advantage of seems very excited to be there and to be taken advantage of and then when they get older they're like oh like I got pedophiled (laughs) I wasn't like I didn't have like agency (laughs) I I just don't get the disrespect. like that wasn't like a fun sexy rap like he's like a serial sex offender yeah (laughs) How does someone do that though and not realize you're gonna get fucking caught, man? That, that's no, what I think. I, I think I think they all know they're gonna get caught. I think they don't care. Really? They'll just always say like, "That did you're lying. That didn't happen." That's like a part of it. I think I have to assume when you're a public figure who does bad things to people, 
just, I have to assume that's a part of it. You get off on the fact that people know and no one can stop you still. That hubris. Yeah. Interesting. I think that had to have been Harvey Weinstein's like whole thing. So I've heard, I haven't read like actual accounts of numbers, what's going on. Um, I listened to Quentin Tarantino on Joe Rogan's podcast describe a little bit about what was, couldn't get a role. And basically it was everyone who went to him had to, was assaulted. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I don't understand how you get to maintain power. Like what, it's like Jeffrey Epstein. What sort of yeah. dirt do you have on decision makers that then allow you? I think it's just like money and like confidence and like the ability to be like, I'll make you Meryl Streep and everyone like people in entertainment, man, they're really desperate to get the bank, get the, get ahead. And like, it's so cutthroat and there are so few opportunities that, you know, people really are like, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's like just so sad. It's so easy to take It's so easy to take advantage of people who have big dreams. Because they just, I guess, why, why do you think they're easy to take it? Be it's easy to take advantage of them. Cause you'll say something like this, like, Oh, you're like a teacher. That's so cool. I think it would be great if you were on the writing staff for this show about teachers on HBO. It's going to be like really funny. You would add credibility to that. Also, I'm going to assault you now. Do you still want the job? And because I just like, it's my one shot. It's the only you're, time that you're just I've like, you're just words. like, should I let this person who's done horrible things to me, give me this opportunity. And also they already did something horrible to me. Like it's not going to unhappen if I don't take the opportunity. So I might as well take it. But why not just turn down the opportunity then, and walk out? Because then you just think... Often oh. the person, it goes like this. Oh, that girl's a bitch. Never hire her. And they just say that to everyone else. And the circles are that small with the decision. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I bet if Harvey Weinstein said he didn't like you, that was something that other people were like, okay, well, we can't hire K. McKinnon or whatever. Yeah, see, that that's where I... I the social dynamic of the hiring with the opportunities. Cause I'm like, we'll just go somewhere else. But I guess if there's an industry in just Los Angeles, I mean, like where do if you, you if you want to just go somewhere else, you have to be someone who like wants to start your own thing. You have to be someone who wants to, you know, you can't like the teams of like, you know, if you want to join on, you know, let's say like Saturday Night Live, if you want to be a Saturday Night Live writer, you know, they treat you shitty when you're a writer. That's like very bad environment for your, you know, per personally, they get like abused, like verbally abused often. But what are you going to be like, complain, be like, actually, the people treat me kind of mean. It's like, oh, well, you're fired and you lost your opportunity as early life. You should have been able to let people treat you like shit better. And that goes with that whole I've been published, which allows you to get that next option and maybe get out on your own that you were kind of talking about earlier. Maybe. And then even people, you know, aren't confident in themselves. They feel like other people could do stuff better than they could or whatever. And, you know, like I would never pretend like I'm someone who has gotten much success. I, I don't have a big following or, you know, no one's gunning to make my things, but I know for a fact that I've turned down opportunities from people that I think, um, are sex offenders or sexist or racist. I'm like, I'm not going to work with you. And I don't want to, but I only get one life. I'm not ever going to waste it working with someone 
who I would have to literally watch out for my own safety around. Like that doesn't make sense. Like they've approached you or you approached them applying for positions and then you like Google them, you see some things they post. Yeah. Like people, people will tell me things about people and they'll be like, this is very sad, but this happened to me and this person did it. And I'll just be like, yeah, okay. I'm not going to ever work with that producer again. So there's this, you've got kind of like your own little social circle of aspiring writers who have gone through these experiences that then share them. Yeah. Sometimes people share things with me. Um, you know, yeah. Gotcha. I mean, it's nice. I think it's because I believe people. So then people tell me the things, the bad things that have happened to them. Um, you know, not often when you say something bad happened to you from someone in, in, in if usually conversations like go like this, I've heard them go like this a lot. Um, something really bad happened to me and the other person goes, I wouldn't talk about that. Or people will say that you're talking about that and they won't want to work with you anymore. And when you say work with the Saturday night live is an example of you would. Yeah. I mean, I mean like even, I mean like even in the most basic level, like I, you know, a comedy show and this person's the booker and you're saying that the booker was, is, you know, was sexist or assaulted you or harass, sexually harassed you. Well, I want them to book me. So please stop telling me about this and get away from me. You're poison. <laughs> and like, no, that booker is poison. <laughs> Gatekeepers who have the information don't want to pass it on. Right. Or not even like Access. information. Like yeah. they are, yeah, they have like opportunities or showcases or whatever, whatever. I don't know. I think opportunities are a dime a dozen. I think that it's like, I live in New York City. I've met so many great people. I don't need to get like, there's no be all end all. I don't even know if I ever really had like a very specific dream in my life of something I wanted to accomplish. So like, I really don't have to like get anyone specific to like me. That seems like the way to live. What, like, lack of pressure that would just... I mean, it's been pretty chill so far. <laughs> <laughs> but also that means, like, I've done some stuff that other people would naturally avoid doing because they're like, this would prevent me from getting my ultimate dream thing because it would make people dislike me who are the dream giver or whatever. Yeah. You know, the gatekeeper of that dream. And I'm like, eh, I kind of fuck everyone, so who cares? <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, that's interesting. Fantastic. <laughs> Dude, that's kind of, so do you have not like a dream position, but a hope, like you just hope to be a hundred thousand dollar a year heir. You just hope to get 10,000 followers. You hope for three beach homes. Like what's the, do you have hope? <laughs> do you have hope for your career? <laughs> I'm like, just like, so like when I was a kid, I would be so ecstatic to know that I like live in my own apartment in Manhattan and I live with my boyfriend who I'm like is nice to me and I think is funny and like I get paid for doing stuff I like like I as a child would be like and you're not married to some guy who's mean to you and have kids and you don't have any free time like those were my this was like this was my whole dream gotcha to be able to sit in a room and just talk to some guy I don't know on the internet. That that was From my Delaware. whole dream. <laughs> Did you find that in the journal when you were moving out? That was under your bed? I mean, I swear I had dreams like in my journal that were like, get own apartment. Don't let people tell you what you have to do every day. <laughs> Dude, I, I think that's it, man. Because if you're 
goal is to be whatever Miramax A lister. You know, I want to be the lead. Oh yeah, no, someone's telling you what to do every single second of your day. Yeah, yeah, it's a like, very different kind of life. Yeah, that it, it just seems like you would never. It would be so hard to find happiness in that. And and I have I you know I learned from having dyslexia when I was really young. Like I'm gonna have to delegate some stuff to other people if I want stuff done correctly. And so, like, I just naturally have a personality that I'm like, yeah, I don't mind, like, starting everything from the beginning and delegating some stuff and, like, get, trying to rally people to work with me. Like, those are all perfectly within my skill set. Tell me about this network, the Two Scoops network. Because I, again, super ignorant. I don't know anything about networks. But what I'm assuming is you want to have, like, people whose projects you like and then you're trying to open up the gate. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. You nailed, okay. you nailed it. You nailed it. You got it. Um, yeah, Two Scoops Network. My friend from graduate school and I, Jamie Rabinovich, um, decided we we had been like I'm a stand up comedian, but also like as to avoid people I don't want to work with and who do stand up also who are sex offenders, I just produce like a ton of my own shows, and I produce shows for other people. And so I had been producing shows with my friend Jamie and we were, we just had so much fun doing it. We'd like raise money for charity or we'd like just make our own money and like, you know, whatever, like we just had, we have so much fun. Like, you know, it's like a party. It's like, if you were in charge of making a party, what would the party be? And our parties were always really good. (laughs) Um, And so whenever the pandemic happened, she was just like, Kels, you know, like, Um, we can't do live shows for a long time. So like, what if we just did start producing podcasts and those are like pretty similar to like live shows in some ways. And, you know, no, they're not. And we had to figure out how they're different. (laughs) And, uh, and then, so we, and then that's where the idea of us producing our own podcast too came on. Cause I was like, you know what, if we're going to do this, we should let people get to know us. Um, so then we did our own too. And, and I think all of the shows are really great. And, um, yeah, the idea for, for us is that we're kind of like the house, like we produce these shows. Um, you know, we like, uh, got an editing team together. We like got a social media team together we like, you know, made like all the branding and stuff. And like, we're doing all the promoting for these podcasts and like, you know, at this point, like what, it's only been like one week. I think we launched like on Tuesday (laughs) and, uh, literally I probably have about eight to 10 pitch meetings of people who are like, I think my podcast should be on your network too. Oh, no way. And I'm like, Oh, that's so nice. Like, thank you so much. I'd love to do a zoom and kind of talk more about your podcast and listen to it before I talk to you. Thank you for reaching out to me. (laughs) So, like, and then if you're going back to staying in that apartment in Manhattan, right, and being able to enjoy life, not being broke, the ultimate goal or benefit of a network is now that we have the editing, now that we have the branding, now we have the marketing, we can then take these numbers to advertisers and offer multiple spots yeah. across multiple platforms. 100%. And, like, the fact that we've, like, okay, so we paired with an ad company called um, Acast. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but they – they basically place ads and podcast um, content and they're really cool. Cause they even do it. Like they'll, uh, they'll like retrofit even your content. So like oh, nice. at first there will be like commercials in it. They'll have like commercial for like Starbucks or whatever. And then like in six months when they're like, okay, like the same people aren't listening to this. It's like new people are listening. They'll be like, now it's an ad for target. Gotcha. So they'll even put like new ad content in there and they're just very good at it. 
So we paired with them. And so we pay them to be a part of their network. And then they place ads for us in our podcasts. And then the streams of those ads are what we get paid for the streams and downloads. Right. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's been one week. (laughs) So the analytics are sparse. Sparse, no doubt. How much of this knowledge comes from the grad degree and how much comes from you just Googling and starting a podcast? All of it it comes from from Googling it. None of it comes from graduate school. I read other people's essays and complained about how they wanted me to edit them. Got you. It's amazing, man. I don't think it was a waste of time. I think it was a good experience for me to learn, like, when people take their writing seriously, I should stay away from them. (laughs) Because you hurt feelings? It was, like, a very healthy, like, learning environment for me. It was just like, okay, you, like, care way too much about your writing, and I just think it's boring, but I want to be friends. <laughs> you never helped him? Like, you didn't leave notes in there to be like, hey, here's a little, like, punchline, here's a little joke? Yeah, no, I up. would punch, I would give them punch-ups all the time, but then people would be like, oh, I, I didn't think that was a joke, and I'd be like, wow, I really read like one. <laughs> that's got to stay. I'd be like that's like not funny Kelsey and I'd be like I swear to god I laughed when I read it <laughs> humor is in the eye of the bowl it's like hard it's really hard that you weren't going for this because you really did some fun word decisions <laughs> oh. it really seemed like you were going for it <laughs> that's so it I've never I've never written anything and then had to go through like a critic criticism a, a, a brainstorming process with other people to take um, suggestions. I think it's like the best thing you could do for your writing, 100%. If you are a very confident person. If you are not a very confident person, I think it's the worst thing you could do for your writing because it doesn't actually matter. No one else's opinions actually matter. Yeah. So they can help you get to where you want to go if you're like open to listening. But like, again, I wasn't open to listening to my class, so I just still haven't read any of their edits. How did I? I'm know, still not open yet, but I am thinking one day I might be. At the reunion, ten year reunion. Yeah, like this not even fun. like this is like I'm talking like I've written like three or four novels, and I'm like, you know what? I think I might be ready to read my graduate school's notes about my writing. <laughs> You've legit writ- written three to four novels. No, no, like I mean, like if I have, uh, I I'm like, sorry, I'm pontificating. Like, yeah, no. Whoa. I feel like I would have opened with that. Don't you feel like I would have opened with that? Not or if maybe you're not said published. It at some point. I thought like they were just be like <laughs> big ass files that you have where you're like waiting. I I feel like I need like I always think it's really important for if you get like negative feedback, which everyone does because now everyone's on social media, so negative feedback will happen to you. That you also um, have really good feedback first. Because then, like, if I accomplished something that I was proud of, and then I could go and read my graduate school's edits, I'd be like, I'm probably proud of myself. Uh, But until I, yeah, I think you're like, you're like on it, though. You're like, how come you won't like take the help in? And I'm like, I don't think it would help me. I think it would make me feel bad. No, dude, I I think that's a a great point because you could over criticize over crush the dream and now the creativity has gone and the person's like great every time I make something people are just going to shit on it and nothing yeah. right about it and I'm like so scared of that because if that hasn't actually happened to me like when I put stuff out there in the world people have for the most part overwhelmingly liked it 
So even though I've gotten negative stuff, but it hasn't keeping kept me from like putting more stuff out there. Yeah. No, I think that's, I, that, that's, but the fear is real. Yeah. No, nah, it's I, not that you are a middle school basketball player, but your situation is very similar where if you over coach kids, they just stop. They'll get in their own head. Yeah, right. Man, yeah. They're, they're just like, I, I don't even know how to jump anymore. And you're like, dude, you yeah. jump all the time. It's like, no, but you're always talking to me about my feet. And now all of a sudden, I don't even know how to pick me. Oh, like, totally, totally. And, and they no, lose no, I get all their that. flow. And I hadn't thought about that happening with um, a creative writing or even just putting out creative things. I feel like art, if you want to do art, you should just do it. You shouldn't really worry about what anyone else has to say about it. You shouldn't even worry too much about what it is or why you did it or what you want to get from it, or any of that. Like, every once in a while, I'll just, like, paint a paint a painting, or draw a doodle, or, you know, fucking hammer some wood together. Where's that going? That isn't going anywhere. It's just for me, because I wanted to do it. Aren't you building shelves for all your mementos? <laughs> <laughs> Is that not the purpose? Um, yeah, I'm not the motivation. <laughs> See? You're really selling me on it. <laughs> I need the shield needs to go somewhere. <laughs> Projects. It'd be a great it'd be great for hors d'oeuvres. Like are you I... gonna serve <laughs> crudite out of that thing? Like that'd be great. I feel like it could be like a really literally, you know, shallow salad bowl. <laughs> tossed, untossed. Actually you just toss the whole thing right there. The Captain America oh, shield is like the the the, the, the shallowest salad bowl. <laughs> <laughs> for a decor party i just dress up as like black widow and be like i'm just really into salad now <laughs> <laughs> for the sequel i go vegan and i kick him more ass um yeah i don't know but i don't i again don't feel like i am more anything than anyone else and i think that anything that i've accomplished anyone else has the absolute ability to do it as well yeah. And all you have to do is just keep asking questions when people are like, I don't want to answer that question. And also was rude. You asked just be like, Oh, that's fine. Hi, new person. I have a question. Same and thing. just ask the same question. Gotcha. Yeah. The persistence to not, it, to not get turned off. If you have that goal, um, it's so easy to get one. No. And then you're like, Oh, not meant to be. It's over. Yeah. Or like, think that the no means something like I feel like people have said that they don't like me like or that I'm not funny and I'm I've you know been so aware of how little their liking me would mean it's it's the day (laughs) you're like oh my god you're not a fan how does that impact my life I'm like it's like me saying like literally like them saying they don't like me is like the same as me saying something like um, you know, I just really wasn't into Futurama. Like, I just didn't like that show. It's like, no, it's yeah, never that's, gonna make that's it. fine. I did like that show. I could not think of something I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, it's like the same. It's like, okay, you know, overrated. Like, why did you the even office. need to say that? I don't think. I don't think it's gonna be anything in its twentieth rerun. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, like, like, it's like no it, it. it means it means very little. <laughs> it's like my opinion means almost nothing. Right. How I'm curious what kind of if there were a couple of things feedback wise from the teachers that helped you in your writing things that you noticed you're like man you know I'm just too wordy with blank or I have 
I don't know. I'm thinking like too many characters, or I try. I'm like juggling five different concepts in a joke. Well, and like, like keep okay, it like I write for clarity pretty much every time. Like I'm not a very poetic writer. I'm like a very cut and dry writer, and then like jokes. Um, so like that, uh, you know, the things that you're saying are like kind of the opposite problem is that like, you know, like elaborate on that. Like that's something that people would say to me. <laughs> I'd be like, I thought it was good when I hit the punchline. Gotcha. <laughs> if you don't get it at the punchline, you're not going to get the concept probably ever. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but like the best edits I ever got was from, uh, the woman who edited my piece that was in the New York times. Okay. She, I got connected to her by a comedian who I opened for, um, who is like really great guy. And he was like, you know, I just wrote a piece for the New York times. I think they would like your beauty pageant stuff. Like send a, send it over. So I did. And I was like, so, so grateful to this guy. And, um, and, uh, I sent it to this girl or this woman and I had no idea what the editing process of the New York times was. So I sent seven pages to the editor of the New York Times. And she was so nice. She emailed me back, love this, cut it down to 500 words and we'll publish it. And I was like, um, which, which words? <laughs> Does it just pick like 500 at random? <laughs> How many articles are in here? Cool. I was All just like, so keep one sentence per page. <laughs> Dude, that's daunting. Now, now, do you take that personal? Do you have like this creative control in you where you're like, now my voice is gone. Now the purpose of the piece oh, no, is gone. I, you got to be psyched. Like when you're like a pop star and you sold a song to another singer, you got to be like psyched. You got to be like, oh my God, I want Britney Spears to sing my song. Gotcha. Uh, you know, you got to be just excited about it. So I was just like, whatever form at the New York Times wants to put my my essay and that's the format it should be <laughs> biblical <laughs> but it was always meant to be <laughs> and what was the process like seven pages to 500 words for you i think i just like read it um out loud and then every time i liked a sentence that i said out loud i kept and then i kept every single joke in the whole piece i tried to keep every single joke okay. which was not possible in any way <laughs> gotcha and then I probably got it down to like a thousand words and sent it back to her. And I was like, I got it down to a thousand. Like, what do you think now? Gutsy. And she was, and she was like, yeah, this is way better. Obviously. Also, let me go back through the seven pages. There are some lines that you should keep from there. And so then she started to help me at that point. Wow. And so what did, did you notice or what did you notice about things that caught her eye that she wanted to include that you thought, I just like only wanted the jokes like I only wanted the jokes and she was like okay so like some of this like like you know sentences that I would call very unimportant she was like you know you kind of need some of that do you remember like what are a couple of examples of the like description scene settings dialogue yeah like stuff like that stuff like that like definitely like um you know, I wrote like some backup backup like uh, backup information about like the beauty pageant experience or like the history of the beauty pageant. And she's like, and I cut all that immediately. And she's like, okay, but like keep a little bit. So, and you know what I just realized? Um, I didn't, I think I had mentioned the beauty pageant thing. I fucking love the story. Um, when I heard it on your podcast, uh, but 
I don't think it's a very quick read. If you read the New York Times one, it's like seven sentences and you're done. (laughs) Listeners here don't, I, I, I didn't ask you to set it up. So in the middle of explaining how it got published, what did you actually do to get published? Um, well, the whole thing was I was just like on Facebook when I was uh, uh, saw like in my second year of graduate school. I, I did three years, um, and my program was three years long. And in my second year, I was like on Facebook, and I got an ad that said, "You should uh, totally apply to be in the uh, Miss New York uh, beauty pageant. What? You, why not?" And I was like, "A great point, Facebook ad targeted at women my age. I should." And your background in beauty pageants at this point um, in your life is? At that point, it was none. At this point, it's one. <laughs> and you were a finalist from it. Dude, when when the punchline comes about about why you're a finalist, I fucking um, I lost it. I almost fell I, off the floor. My official title is <laughs> Miss uh, New York USA State Finalist 2018, um, which is what they called all of the losers. <laughs> Uh, yes. So all 200 of us, shout out. <laughs> you I, know who you are. You were there. I love the fact that like people can claim that. And I wonder how many people claim that in a serious oh, probably, way. Probably like, just me. I have to assume just me. Yep. Like everyone else is like, that's offensive. That has to just, I think it's like a joke in the pageant world if you like say that kind of thing. I bet you when they cross over. They're very aware of each other. They're like, if you don't say things correctly or, or if you're not wearing the right thing of the season, people are like, oh, I see. Beige. Wow. It was like very, they have like their own like infighting and their own like rules. And I was just like, hi, I don't get any of this. And they're like, well, we didn't think you would be here. <laughs> Um, like so, I'm like here as like a reporter they're like that's weird I'm like it is isn't it <laughs> and that was the actual intention when you applied then huh like you knew you were gonna write a piece about this I mean I live tweeted the whole thing when I was there I like hashtag live tweeted it um and that like did pretty good for me um you know I got like a couple hundred followers or whatever um but then I was like, okay, what should I do with this? And like, I had some video content. I still have some, like, I have like the actual pageant, like video of the pageant that I've never watched Why of you... me competing. <laughs> I like think my own stuff is like cringe. Like, I'm like, I can't handle it. Um, please. <laughs> I... Like, I know that other people like gay also think my stuff is cringe. So I'm like, I don't feel like I, I, it's like rare for me to say this about my own work. Yeah, but like, wasn't that, I got the impression like that was kind of the point. Like you went in there to purposefully be, like if there were 200 people who were there, you were like, I'm dead set on being the worst. Or am I wrong about that? I'm beautiful. There were some no, girls worse looking than me. You're being I, so rude. I didn't take it as a <laughs> beauty thing. Um, I took it as like a... Cause it's in a just, beauty pageant, there's yeah. nothing else. It's just a beauty thing. Isn't it the dress and the style and the skill and like the speaking? What skill? What are you talking I about? I thought they always it's had to just do a who's skill. the hottest one. That's such a lie. They're, they're I'm not things. lying. That's all there is. So like the, the girl the, that won, the girl that won the junior version, her parents and I talked like the year before. So she was there as a winner. Her parents talked to me and they were like, 
God, you are so funny. We have, we've only been to like two of these now because our daughter accidentally won the first one she ever did. And I was like, who's your daughter? And I looked at her and I was like, yeah, she's hot as shit. She's like the hottest teen I've ever seen. So they were like, yeah, we didn't even nothing. She just showed up and she just won. And I'm like, yeah, she's hot enough to win. I get it. Okay. All right. So maybe. But the girl who won the one I competed in, the adult version, had competed seven times. And they did say that as they were crowning her. They said seventh times the charm. How much cash do you think she put into this? Oh, that's like, oh, that's like over 30 grand at that point to all of it if you added up like the real expenses this woman was like had done classes and shit she wanted this title in a way that i have not wanted anything in my life (laughs) not even have your picture book published no no she wanted this in a way that was clearly unhealthy it took seven years of her life away from her what is she she did this for seven years that's what, psychotic. Dude, what is she saying to herself the night before? Like, and she's gonna, in bed. I'm going to win. You know, I'm going to win this year. This is my year. This is year seven. I'm 24. The last year you can compete age-wise. And I'm going to do this. Primed. I'm right. I'm ready. I'm experienced. I'm the oldest I can ever be to win this crown. So I have to. <laughs> <laughs> Was there a talent portion? No. Oh, uh, there's no talent portion? No. Oh, dude. And I How agree. I stand by there not being a talent portion. It is unnecessary. Is it? They don't have talents. <laughs> and it's not about that. It's about how hot you are. You're being weird when you're acting like it's about anything other than I really thought so again, I, what I can go off of is It's like, like the, fun to pretend like it's about something, but it is not. Yeah, well so like I think in Miss Universe there's like seven different sections in the ball gown and then the speech. Yeah, but isn't it all right? like embarrassingly still nothing? Like if we had to like break down what each section was, it's like how do you look in a swimsuit? Now how do you look in a regular dress? And now how do you look in a nighttime dress? While you're juggling, right? Like how well do you play the piano and sing? So I, I guess proportionally. I guess. There I have been thought. some. Okay, Gretchen Carlson won. Gretchen Carlson's a Fox News anchor who um, notoriously brought down uh, 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 Richard Ailes. Uh, she's like really interesting. Uh, do you know the story at all? I think I saw a trailer for a movie with three yeah. blondes, okay, yeah. three yeah, blondes in an elevator and they were just going to fucking Bombshell. ruin. Yeah, you should watch it. It's interesting. Okay. It's really interesting. I have like a lot of respect for uh, her for doing that, but she won Miss Universe and she was a concert violinist and she was like, I think I'll just compete in Miss Universe and see what happens. And she did win and she did go on to have an extraordinary career. So that's what I was going at. Not about your But hotness. the one I competed in did not have a talent portion. It was okay. only about how good looking you are. Gotcha. And um, for listeners, please talk about the process and how long it took you to select your dress. Oh, me? Yes. It took me one day. <laughs> but I did it like probably three or four years before I competed. I found this like really old um, blue 1970s prom dress um at um a goodwill in texas and i bought it for three dollars and my mom said why do you need that dress you don't need that dress and i said i'll figure it out you do like keeping shit (laughs) i usually just figure it out you know 
So then you decide to enter the pageant and this blue dress is in your closet. And you're like, this yeah. is it. This yeah. is the yeah. one. I was like, this is going to happen. And it didn't fit me either. It was like way too small for me. So I actually left it unzipped in the back and I had my mom's friend who's a who's like a professional seamstress sew on a button. So I could just button up the top but leave it unzipped. Um so that's like behind the scenes. <laughs> and did you I also remember something about like the Kickstarter or like a GoFundMe and then you Yeah, actually... I raised it cost a thousand dollars to compete in this pageant. So I raised almost a thousand dollars so that I, I think I kicked in like two or three hundred dollars of my own money to like get there and stuff but they they charge you a thousand dollars you have to stay overnight in a hotel for two nights with another woman that you don't know who's also competing they don't put you up or that, I guess that's part of the thousand dollars then right yeah yeah um how did you think of the name thing to put on the dress because didn't you have, like, people's names? Oh, yeah, I mean, that was just classic NASCAR. You know, anyone who's a NASCAR fan would have done the same. I mean, I'm not a huge NASCAR fan, but I love advertising. So, like, in NASCAR, like, you know, Wonder Bread would put their logo, like, right on the car. So I was, like, in beauty pageant terms, like, the dress is the car. So I put everybody's name who donated money to me um, in a little patch with glitter around it on the back of my dress. And then when... We did like the cat runway walk. Like I walked up straight forward. But then when I did my turn, I made my dress like really big, like from side to side. And it, people gasped, people laughed. People were like, what? Like the noises, like my boyfriend was on the audience and he was like, honestly, it was like the most amazing because no one reacted at all to the other women. They were just like, okay, hot and turn around, still hot. But to me, people were like, oh, what? It was audible. And the judges like looked at me and then looked at the crowd. Like they were like, this girl is taking so much attention away from the hottest girl. This is so upsetting. Do, do you think it was that? You don't think it was like a, she's disrespecting this historical process of determining the most beautiful woman in New York? Yes. And I think the thing that I said is the same. <laughs> I think we're saying the same thing. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I guess I'm thinking of the judges caring more about the system more so than like caring about the, the system of choosing who's the hottest correctly. Yes, exactly. You don't like want to mess it up seriously. and choose maybe not the hottest one. That would be so embarrassing. It would be like a wine connoisseur recommending like by accident a $10 bottle of Cabernet. Yeah, that's really what a beauty pageant is at the end of the day. It's just a recommendation for a woman. Yeah. <laughs> she is beautiful, I think. Everyone else? Did they try to, like, stop you at any point? Or, like, say, hey, change this. You can't go out there wearing this. Kinda. <laughs> I think they knew, like, legally it would not look good if they kicked me out of the beauty pageant. But they did say... I had the the host guy. He's a news anchor uh, and like uh, you know, and also does beauty pageants. He's also the host of beauty pageants. He's an interesting man. So he's versatile. It, yeah, very very interesting guy. And uh, <laughs> and the host was also one too. She was a beauty pageant ex beauty pageant winner, and she hosted it. And she also does news. Color commentary. And they kind of like walked around the pageant, kind of gave people like direction and stuff. And and I just was like. 
they were like, hey, stop being on your phone and, like, taking videos. Um, like, you have to practice your catwalk walk. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I, like, did it. And then they were like, okay, so that was, like, really bad. Do you want to try again? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and I, like, tried again, like, the night before we, like, did the pageanty thing, you know. They were like, this is how you do it. Let's walk through. Let's do the, this. Is the, this is the steps. And I, the last time I did it, I was like, I'm going to stop. And then I'm going to do, um, I'm going to do uh, a gun finger, gun finger. And they were like, what? And I was like, I feel like I get it. And then I just like went and I was like, I'm actually really tired. I'm going to go to bed. And they were like, there's like more practice. I was like, I'm like good though. And I just like went up to bed. <laughs> and, uh, and the next day, the host of the pageant, like the guy, like, okay they had like meetings in the morning for all of the contestants so this is 200 adult women and 200 minors so the minors are competing for miss new york junior and then the adults are competing for miss new york usa so there's 400 women in this auditorium and this host gets on stage and he says good morning everyone we don't know exactly why each and every one of you are here you know some of you this is your dream some of you, this was your mom's dream. Some of you really want to be in modeling. We don't know the answer, except for one person. We know why she's here. Kelsey Kane, will you stand up? Stop. Kelsey is a comedian. Stop. You're fucking lying. And I was like, You're fucking oh, lying. shit. What is happening? And they had me stand up and like wave to all 400 of these girls. And they were like, Kelsey thinks this is very funny. And she um, has been tweeting about it. And um, I just think you should all be aware of the fact that when you talk to her, she might be making fun of you. <laughs> I was like, um, no, I was making yeah. fun of you. <laughs> I, was a, I wasn't making fun of the contestants. I am one. We are very nice. <laughs> Solidarity. Um, I'm not trying to make fun of the other uh, 23-year-olds here. I'm trying to make fun of the 50-year-old adults uh, just ruthlessly stealing from women who want to be considered hot. Like, that's really where my conflict is. I can't believe they fucking called you out. That, that's for and, real, for real. Oh, that's for real. And then that got cut from the New York Times article. <laughs> um, but, like, in the end of it, like the guy came up to so the girls were like some of them were, were really upset and some of them were really mean to me to my face it's after their that. childhood dream man you're you're mocking yeah their and existence. they said the guy said i was like actively aggressively mocking them which is untrue like i was mocking the concept the system um but yes for participating in the system as i did i do find us both embarrassing anyone who has competed i find us all very embarrassing um <laughs> But the man who is the host came up to me after he gave this, like, you know, egregious speech about me personally. He said, look, last night you were interesting. So we looked you up on the Internet and we found all your beauty pageant stuff. And I looked through your stand up comedy and I get it. You're really funny. <laughs> Respect. And he was like, just please just. Did you wash that stain out of your dress? I saw there was a picture and it has stain. Did you wash the stain out? And I was like, my mom did it without me asking. She said, I'm not going to let you wear this dress while it's stained. And she washed it without my consent. Aww. So, yes, the stain is gone. He goes, 
Okay, because if you had the stain, I think we could have been like, no, you don't get to compete. But because she washed the stain out, fine. Bylaws. <laughs> Who knew in the bylaws of the New York State Minnesota? <laughs> and I told my mom, and my mom was like, Kelsey, that dress is disgusting. Like, these people, you know, you're really doing a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, was it hard for your mom to be in the stands? No, my mom wasn't there. This was in New York. My mom lives in Texas. So how'd she wash the Oh, this was like, I got the dress in in from my house in Texas and she washed it. And then I brought it back to New York. Because she knew that you were going to actually wear it? I like asked for my mom's help. I always ask for my mom's help for all my projects. She's very helpful. Gotcha. Um, How big is the stain? What's the location of said stain? Oh, it's like right on like crotch level on the front of the the big poofy dress. And it was like the size of, uh, you know, like pie. (laughs) was huge and it was like yellow like that yellow that you're like is there just like a, a urine is that come like what happened to this woman in the 70s oh my gosh. <laughs> anything could have happened at that beauty pageant <laughs> or that prom 70s prom disco back in the day it was like very like um you know like a bicentennial kind of vibes the dress like you know like that good roughly material yeah, like how far set off was the next closest dress? So, like, if you have some standard, my this- dress was nineteen seventies garbage. The next closest dress was not designer, I guess. That's what I wonder. Like, so, like the next cheapest, the worst dress. Again, I'm just these numbers women person. spent like five hundred to a thousand dollars on these dresses. These women like threw down so much money on these dresses. God, dude. The woman who was my roommate that I had to like stay overnight in the same room as her she we still follow each other on Instagram and she it was so nice and she was like oh I get it you're like funny and she was just like casually the hottest woman I've ever seen and she was like yeah I mean I'm just like really hot so I thought maybe I'd win this I've never really done anything like this before and I was like you might you are that hot and she was like thank you um and now she's like in fitness and I'm like that makes perfect sense so She's good at it. She's like very entertaining to look at. I'm like, yeah, I get it. You're beautiful. (laughs) Get that money, girl. Did anybody actually, any of the contestants, forcefully, any kind of catfight stuff towards you? I mean, as my dad says, catfight? Kelsey, it's a catfight. I think catfight's like very sexist to say as a term. uh, but I always bring up my dad whenever somebody says it because my dad loves cat fights. <laughs> he said, we were watching a cat fight in a movie once and my dad said, I like this other cat fight in this other movie better. And then he looked it up and then he showed it to me on his phone. What was the better cat fight? Um, he likes the one in The Mummy um, with Rachel Weiss. Oh, dude, I think that is. I haven't seen it for a he's, he's very into that cat fight. It's like Rachel Weiss and like an Egyptian mummy. Does He's he count, very into that cat fight. Does he count Kill Bill as cat fights? Uma Thurman and um, I think when any women fight, isn't it a cat fight? Even in war, like the Iraq War, I could call. I would also call it a cat fight. The war itself, or two women within the war? Yeah, those are great questions. I think you should ask a woman in the military next time you see one. <laughs> Hopefully, I involve one. I was. I guess I was thinking catfight would be situational, not like 
serious fighting. It would be just women who don't really know how to fight thinking that they can fight going at each other in like a very petty way. No comment. It's okay. I think that when I've seen women fight, it's with their words. And I think they know exactly how they want to fight. <laughs> okay. And I think like the fictionalized cat fight is like, you know, the same as like, um, just like a, a, a fight, just like a regular, just like two adult men where you're like, oh my God, Steve just punched Ben for no reason. Huh. I think it's the exact same for women. Okay. When I was in high school, I said something in front of one of my friends and the other one of my friends didn't want me to say it. And she slapped me in the face. And I was just shocked. And I still think about it to this day that that girl would just slap me in the face. She has two kids. She slapped me in the face when we were 17 years old. I'm like, that's interesting. But I wouldn't consider that a cat fight. No, probably not. I I don't think I would have said you got slapped. Do but should I have, should I have, should I have beat her up? She was very small. Like I'm like five, nine. She was like probably like five, two. I really could have probably murdered her if I wanted. Did you feel that you were wrong for saying it? I mean, no, <laughs> <laughs> I think I say a lot of things that get me in trouble, but I have almost never wanted to take any of them back for them being inaccurate. <laughs> That's an interesting point. They're usually 100% very accurate, and that's the reason people did not like hearing it. (laughs) And you get slapped, and then you just crack another joke, you double down? What happens there? Um, I said when I was 17 years old and my friend slapped me, did everyone just see her slap me? And then the other girl that was there was like, okay, well, I'm going to go home now. And she just walked away. And then I said to my friend, you slap people sometimes? And she was like, Kelsey, fucking, and you said that in front of that girl, and I didn't want you to, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, and you hit people. <laughs> Interesting. That's but a- I think she was like that, like, off-put, that I would say something that she didn't want me to say. <laughs> That's such a great response. Um, it, it didn't <laughs> anger you? Like, did you feel the violence within you? Oh no, I was like shocked. I wasn't, I, I'm not, I'm not like an angry person really. I'm like, I like surprised, but like, I think like everyone, I think people like to pretend like they don't know what like right and wrong and like moral and what everyone's moral responsibility is. But I think it's like incredibly obvious. <laughs> what do you mean? Moral responsibility. People will be like, like, I feel like, you know, I can't really do anything about that. And they'll kind of aid situations to happen, but they them saying like this is bad would have stopped. So I think like everyone's moral responsibility is like when you see something that you're like morally that's like not a good thing, you should be like that's not like, not a good thing. But most people are like, oh look at that bad thing. I guess I'll just go over to my friend's house now. Oh, like if you're not, what's the um? I think of the Seinfeld episode, isn't that, that's how Seinfeld ended, where, like, they were yeah, watching Yeah, they were, like, robbed. the Good Samaritan Law. Yeah. Yeah, they were, like, you did nothing, and they were, like, yeah, that's, like, of course. And they yeah, were, like, right. yeah, that's, like, bad. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's in essence, what you're saying, is people should just stop. Yeah, I'm on the side of the people of, of, of a Canadian jail that put um, the cast of Seinfeld in jail. Yeah, I'm, I agree did. with them. <laughs> 
that's interesting. Where does that come from for you to stand up to have this like the the stand up for the morals, your morals? The it's like morals. bad shit has happened to me. <laughs> gotcha. Like every I'm, everyone is like the same story for every human, right? Like well, bad things happen, and either you, yeah, you know, then, either you or. Either you're somebody who bad stuff happens to and you like get stronger and you like help people and you like talk about it or you're someone who gets like smaller and meaner and littler and more afraid and like that's just how life goes. Yeah, right. So then, but that's the choice, right? Do you attribute you making the choice to stand up for it to anything? No, I don't think I'm different than anyone else. I think anyone would do the same. And when they don't, I'm like, well, I did it. So what does that say about you? I'm not that great. (laughs) yeah, I I just get interested where like people get or find resolve from to then make like life choices of I'm going to do this, right? What you're describing is, is a choice. People can choose when they see something, you hear a remark, you can either remain quiet, which I guess would be like condoning it. Or you can say something and have maybe an uncomfortable conversation, possibly get slapped. So like you're choosing to do things. And I just always wonder, like, can you point to moments in your life where you're like, okay, this is who, almost like the slap story. The slap story, yeah. like, well, all right, so now I know I'm going to say things that I feel are right, regardless of the consequences. Yeah. And that one definitely wasn't like I said something morally great or anything. I would like to clarify the slap story was innocuous at best. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I don't know, like, I really, really, I've, I've like, I, I'm very blessed with the people in my life. I, the people who have stood up for me and stood by me, the people who have clarified, like, if someone misconstrued me and said, no, Kelsey wouldn't mean that, the people who have, like, stood up for me or, like, when I have like gone out of my way to try to help someone who's in a kind of a hard position or whatever and be like, yeah, I recognize you're in a hard position. Then them, you know, being my friend tenfold later and being like you doing that, like actually saved my life. And like, I was at a really low point and it meant a lot that you reached out. Like my life has been so much, it has been made so much better from those interactions and almost no other interactions in my life. Like those have been the ones that have brought me success and like meaning and like happiness. I thought you were going to keep talking about happiness. I was enjoying it. Sorry. <laughs> I like happy stories. Yeah, I think that's like that's like it for me. Like when you do good and some people are like, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. And I'm like, yeah, but also like bad deeds get punished. And like also like when you do bad things, it like makes you feel bad about yourself. And you kind of like ruin that relationship with yourself where you like, are like, yeah, I should feel good about myself. It's like, well, if you shouldn't, then don't. (laughs) So like when I pour good into me and good into others and I try, even if bad stuff happens and conflict happens out of it, still it brings better good to my life than to stay out of it or to not help or whatever every single time. Gotcha. Is it tough? Like, trying to or cracking jokes and like being misconstrued when people like you had said kind of like hey Kelsey wouldn't have meant that does that happen because you're just 
Yeah, I mean, like, I'm pretty upfront about the sex offender thing, so it's like, sometimes people are like, you know, Kelsey will call anyone a sex offender, and it's like, no, I really will only call people that other people have literally told me what they did to them, sex offenders. (laughs) Like, I believe you are victims. Um, I just do. Uh, that's something fun about me. Everyone should do it. It's really easy. It doesn't cost any money. To, um, no. To just believe the victims of crimes. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> it's like super, um, I'd say made me have way more empathy than any other thing in the world could is to like care. I thought yeah. you were going to keep going. Sorry. I, I wasn't what? sure if it was going to, like, no, because that's... Should I be saying something more specific? Lead me there. What should I be, like, ending on? No, I, it, it's, honestly, I that's another thing where I don't, philosophically, I I, I wonder, not to not believe, or I, I guess the question then would be like this, how do you balance proof with belief? Like the whole innocent before guilty criminal system versus people well, in, who are se- in cases of sexual assault if you do the research which you can do by going to um rain.org r-a-i-n-n.org it's the nation's largest sexual assault um education platform basically they have like all the statistics on there and they're constantly doing work and like research is getting oh no did i lose you I think I lost you for a second. Are you okay? You're back. I was not scared. I was still able to see you. (laughs) But like, if you are someone who like wants to learn the statistics and stuff, then you should definitely go there. But less than 1% of, of, um, reported sexual assaults are, um, false reporting. Um, it's like very, very rare. Um, almost, almost inconsequential statistically. And, um, most people do not report their sexual assault because of the pushback of people not believing them so to me i'm like if you are going to tell me something happened to you that is a bad thing there is almost zero reason why anyone would say that unless it was true because it only brings bad things to your life to talk about being sexually assaulted it makes everyone question everything you say it makes some of the people in your life not believe you it makes you have to know that some people don't believe you it makes you have to make everyone in your life talk, think about you in a sexual way, which is like very uncomfortable to talk about with your like friends or your family members. Like there's like literally no reason I can think of that someone would be lying about sexual assault, except for in very weird, rare, dire circumstances where it sounds like they're the victim of something worse. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And yes, that, that was the, clarification i have no idea about the statistics but that's I oh yeah i mean that's like on the one comedy. thing like if you're going to encourage your students to learn anything tell them that they should learn the statistics on sexual assault rain.org just write it at the top of the board don't even explain it to anyone just see if any of them look it up and then go there um why did you choose comedy i guess it's not the only way you're shedding light or bringing attention to this but why are why use comedy to do it as well I mean, I think if you can laugh at something, then uh, you can see why it's... uh, If I can get people to mock sex offenders, then I think you're saying that's bad. I think it's, like, very easy. It's, like, child child stuff, you know? Like, if you can laugh at something, like, okay, like, normally people would use, like, 
laughing at someone for like, I don't know, being overweight or being gay or being, I don't know, a girl. Um, and then you laugh at those things, like as if those things are bad, none of those things are bad to be. So if you take that same concept and then you apply it to like sex offenders or things that are actually bad or immoral and you say, laugh at them, they're the joke, they're bad. So there's a lot of power there because the structure's already been set up to make girls and gay people and fat people feel bad about themselves. So I just take that same exact structure and throw it on things that you actually should make fun of and consider bad. It's a simple, simple concept for someone who doesn't have to understand the enormity of the situation to then apply to be like, oh, sex is all bad in a very layman's way. It like normalizes laughing at sex offenders and making fun of sex offenders like so quickly to be like, I'm saying you can. Hmm. Can I get, since we're talking about it, the, um, something that I was, um, happy to learn about the brother school, I guess you had gone to an all girls school and then you were a part of getting a curriculum installed in an all boys school. I refused to, um, teach the curriculum, but I did go and petition that they teach to their all boys school, um, anything about sexual assault, which they currently do not teach anything to their students. They also teach abstinence only, um, sex education. So they basically don't teach sex education. And a lot of their students end up sexually assaulting people sometimes because they don't know they're doing it. And other times because they know that they can get away with it. Like the person who assaulted me definitely knew that there would be nothing that happened then. Why typically would someone feel like they can just get away with it? Is it because the victim is usually ashamed? What are you going to do? Talk about like, I mean, like, think about, like, I mean, I think you answer your own question. If you're just, like, pretend you got sexually assaulted by anyone, why wouldn't you talk about that? Yeah. So then just the victim's shame, feeling, feeling ashamed, yeah, not wanting I mean, the attention like, is what it they rely on. You feel awful to be, like, someone did something bad to me, and then the person goes, are you sure? Like, that's probably what you'll get followed up with if you tell someone about that you've been sexually assaulted. I know... When I told my friends, they said, no, you didn't. You're a liar. And they literally prevented me from being probably raped because I was screaming. And my friends came into the room and I told them I had been assaulted. And they were like, no, he has a girlfriend. That's Why would they come into the room of you screaming and then say you weren't being assaulted? That's a great question. They just didn't want to believe it even though they prevented it from happening more, even though they literally stopped it from happening. They literally still didn't want to believe it. You didn't ask them like later months, years later to be like, Hey guys, why didn't you believe me at that time? Yeah. I asked my friend, uh, um, literally years later, I said, she said, I remember that night and I wanted to tell you, I'm sorry. Cause I did know, and I've been sexually assaulted now and I know exactly what happened to you. And I think about it a lot. And I said, Oh, that's great. Well, you put that in writing. And then, um, then I started petitioning for them to teach sexual assault education. And I was like, I have witnesses that believe that the story happened. And I said that on the internet. And then the guy was like, yeah, I did that. He reached out to you to accept. I posted on my Facebook an open letter that started with his name, dear his name. Just his first name, not his last name. And I wrote exactly what happened. And he texted me 
I had don't know this person. I had only ever met them at that time that they assaulted me when I was literally 18 years old and they were 18 also. And they texted me, Hey, this is this person. I saw your, you know, thing. Can, can I talk to you? Can I call you and apologize? And then he called me and was like, I really don't want you to talk about me and like say my name and like, you know, you're like a public figure. And I just like, didn't know that. And I was like, you know what, the thing about assaulting someone is that they could become a public figure. So you should think about that next time. And his apology to you, did you take it as he was sincere and like had learned a lesson or was more like the rap? I think he was trying to get me to not mention his name publicly. Like it was just all about, I think he feels scared. And I guess fear can be the same as sorry when you don't have good more. If you don't have morals, so. then yeah, I think fear. No, I, I guess yeah, but I don't think it's actual like sorrow. I think fear is completely different because you're worried. He about looked the- really shaken up after I had him read when we went to the school, and I had him go to the school and tell them that he sexually assaulted me because they didn't teach him not to. I had him read um, my statement of what he did to me, of what I wrote on Facebook out loud at the very beginning of the meeting. Like, hi, I'm Kelsey. Hi, this is the guy who assaulted me. And he's going to read what I posted. And he read it out loud. And at the end of that, he was just like white as a ghost and like shaking like the rest of the hour and a half meeting. And I was like, I mean, no other victim of assault that I've ever heard of has ever gotten justice that way that I was like, I just wanted him to acknowledge that he did this to me and I wanted him to know that I knew exactly what he did and that everyone else knows too. And that it's like actually incredibly dense to do that to another person and that they won't move on from it and that you'll always have done that to them. How, how often does, does your mind go back? to the assault um like all victims like often like if I'm feeling stressed or if I'm feeling scared like I like a lot of my friends have like um PTSD um it doesn't seem like I do but I definitely am like have like bouts of depression that are brought on by like other things and then sometimes I'll like dwell on it and uh like I've been known to be like I'm not gonna have sex for like three months I feel really weird about sex. It makes me feel sad. I feel scared. And that's like a really normal response to being sexually assaulted. Right. Because it's like, I would never want to have sex with someone where I felt uncomfortable because I don't think that's consensual for them. Like you want to have sex with people who are like overwhelmingly into it. You don't want to have sex with people who are like, I'm feeling like very stressed about sex right now and I'm probably going to cry. But I feel like you want me to have sex with you and I really want to have sex with you because you want me to have sex with you, but I'm feeling too weird for it. So it's like, I'm just like very comfortable saying all those things out loud instead of having bad, weird, sad sex that I think about being assaulted during. Like, that's not for me. And it's like, that's something every victim of sexual assault struggles with until they die, I think. Do you, is there like a network or do you, are, are you out there supporting, encouraging people who are victims to reach out to you and then like trying to like have, share some 
stories. When I was when I was doing penis CK, people would reach out to me all the time, and they'd be like, "Yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck guys who do this. These guys in comedy are rapists. These guys roofies women. These guys book clubs. They roofie women. These guys, you know, this guy assaulted me. This guy's a comedian. This like people were." If you give people room to talk about their experiences and you tell them, like, you're not going to get in trouble and I'm not going to say this as you and I'm going to take away, like, the part where you're worried about what would happen, the consequence of you saying this thing that happened to you, people are so excited to tell you the horrible things that have happened to them. I was uh, I was just thinking about how powerful um, what you were describing the conundrum like a mental conundrum of a partner wanting to have sex with their other partner but not mentally being able to be there and then not vocalizing that and i was just wondering oh i'm sure it happens all the time to people yeah and i just I'm wonder sure. how many it's people... so hard to communicate that it's so much it's like very like you know if you're going to be embarrassed about anything like that's probably something you would any human would be embarrassed about right but I felt and you then, like, it. lots of times, like, so. women, I mean, okay, like, I guess I'm friends with much more women, so I've heard this happening to women I know, are like, yeah, I didn't feel comfortable having sex, and it kind of was, like, the deterioration of my relationship, because my boyfriend or significant other was like, you don't want to have sex with me, and it's like, yeah, that's just, like, a moment in life, like, like, all moments, like, it'll probably pass, but it might actually take some real time. In your experience, is it is it difficult? I, the deterioration of the relationship is why I'm thinking about this. Cause I wonder how many relationships the sexual assault doesn't get brought up so that partners can understand why. Well, it's like so heavy. Places. Like a lot of times people don't even want to admit to themselves they've been sexually assaulted. So they don't. And then they're like, have problems they don't even understand. And they're just, like, suffer, like, kind of silently with, like, a weight around their neck. And they just, like, don't know what the weight is from, really. And, like, maybe their brain even is, like, helping them not think about it. Because, like, our brains do that for really traumatic events. They just, like, kind of circumvent. Like, sometimes I can remember being assaulted and sometimes I, like, kind of can't. Really? Like, my brain is, like, don't think about it. And I know my brain didn't let me think about it for, like, five years. (laughs) Like, I didn't talk about it for, like, five years after it happened. That long after. But I don't think I've ever had any casual sex because I was assaulted. I've never had any interest in having sex with someone I don't know. I, 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 it would be very hard to put yourself in a room and go back to that same scenario. There's just so much trust that would be involved. And the person who assaulted me, like, I had a boyfriend, I was, I was sleeping, like, they had a girlfriend, like, this person came to attack me. Like, this was not uh, even a sexual situation in any way. I was, like, in a full-on different room, full-on asleep, and they attacked me. Um, So, like, do I think he's sorry? I'm, like, I think he's someone who goes in rooms, wakes, uh, and assaults women in their sleep. (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, that... Like, that's what I think about him. But, you know, also he says sorry when you ask, I guess, when you talk about it too much. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know him. I don't want to know him. Right. What, curriculum-wise, what should have been taught in that school? I mean, I think you should, like, 
at any students, any kids, anyone who's being taught about sex, I think the first thing anyone should be taught about sex is, do you want to try to have sex with someone who doesn't want to have sex with you? The answer is no. Why are you trying to have sex with people? There's so many people who actually want to have sex with everyone. So you can like easily try to have sex with them. So if it's not about, if it's about having to convince someone to have sex with you, like you've already done something wrong. To me, that's like everything. It's like pretty obvious, like attacking someone who's asleep is the wrong call. Um, but like this guy literally said to his school, like if I had been taught about sexual assault, I wouldn't have done it, which I don't believe, but that does I do like think that there would have been consequences and I would have known that I could report him and I would have known someone would have cared when in reality, even to this day, I'm like, if you told someone out of school that you were sexually assaulted, there's a very good chance nothing will happen. I think that's a great point you bring up there. It might not, cause it is kind of, I would think, I would hope, it's pretty freaking commonplace. Like, resistance means you shouldn't be. It's just a very basic, it, you're fighting with someone, they're pushing you. Clearly, they don't want to be pushed, so you get that at a young age. The empowerment of people feeling it's an environment where they can, where they have support coming out with this, if it yeah. is being educated, I to me, that was... Um, if you're taught about powerful. something at all, then you get to know, like, what happens when you do, like, if... Even if you cover, you know, don't assault anyone and people are like, well, that's pretty common sense or I'm going to do it anyways, right? That's like the two ways to think of sexual assault education. Even if then you get to even just have this conversation of, okay, well, if you do get assaulted, what do you do? I never got a conversation like that. I still haven't in to this day had a conversation like that with anyone ever that made any sense or anyone said the same things or, you know, like. I feel like I've been the only person I've ever really interacted with in my life who's like, well, if you get it sexually assaulted, well, at least you can tell me about it. And then maybe me and you can come up with like kind of a little plan. Right. And it's like, who am I? Again, no one. I don't think I'm better than anyone. I don't think I know anything anyone doesn't know. I think I'm just overwhelmingly invested. Yeah, that it, it shouldn't. I, that's. It's kind of sad to hear, man, that a system in place to take care of kids doesn't have that. Like that I mean, information isn't like, known. It's not out there. When I was doing like getting people to sign the petition to get this all boys school in Texas to teach sexual assault education, one like three thousand people signed it. Like so many people were very excited to sign it. They were very excited that thought of them being taught this or being held accountable. Maybe it was very exciting probably around 20 or 30 minors reached out to me and told me they were like graphically raped or brutally sexually assaulted or unbelievably humiliatingly sexually harassed by adults in their lives. And I like did the research to like get these students in sexual assault help groups and like therapy groups and like what are just like really simple steps and like if you were assaulted by your parent, like how you could like, we could get you to stay at your friend's house and maybe you could tell a friend's parent if you trust them. Like I came up with these plans with these kids and I'm like, if you're on the internet and you are telling me that you've been sexually assaulted, just some lady, then you have no one else to tell. 
you have no one else who's going to help you. If you're telling me you have no one else that's going to help you. And that was so incredibly sad to me that I was like, yeah, I'll figure out how to help you. That just shouldn't be. Was it, were they regional or it was throughout the country? Like were these people in your hometown? Like these people had gone, like I had went, I was like, it was my alma mater high school. I went to St. Agnes Academy in Houston. I went to like a all girls prep school for, for high school. It was really funny. My grandma wanted me to go there, but I always went to public school before that. And so it was like a very, it was like a culture shock for me personally. I was like, okay, like people have like laptops and also they don't lock their lockers. Like you can just steal. And they're like, (laughs) no, you're just like, no one is supposed to steal. And I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. Right. It's like I came from public school. If you had your locker unlocked, like everything would be gone. Walkman's <laughs> out. Um, so it was like kind of a culture shock for me. But so these students were like, you know, they're ten years younger than me, but they are going to my exact high school I went to, and they feel like confident in that. That's something. That connection means something. The reason why I was asking is because you say twenty to thirty, and I like that that's a high number but if that number is all from one school yeah i mean one in one in three women is sexually assaulted and one in five men are sexually assaulted like the statistics are brutal is there an age range with that no just go on go on right in life generally in in life life. and then if you're a minor way higher statistically that you'll be assaulted of course because you're naive yeah if you're gay way higher because they have something to exploit a lot of like older um you know gay people no naive young gay people you know they exploit that like it's very it's so if you're if you're transgender like honestly no question like you will probably be assaulted that's because people know they're like socially who cares about you and that's like, you know, when you're like, do you believe these stories of these victims? Yeah, I believe them. And I know why other people are like, I don't know if I do. It's like, yeah, because it's horrible. No one wants to believe horrible shit over and over and over and over again. But, you know. You should. It's the truth. So I guess you can just like absolutely walk away from the truth or you can like listen to it and try and like. Have I done everything perfect? No, I'm penis CK. But have I tried? Yeah, I'm penis CK. How how did you get the penis CK character? I mean, I was just so mad. He was like, he he waited like six months and then just started doing stand-up again and he didn't even get booked. He just went to a club and just showed up and just did stand-up for people who didn't even like ask to see him. I was like, so he's learned nothing about consent. This is not a man who gives a fuck about anything. And I was just like, all right, well, if he's going to perform, then I will just make sure everyone remembers what he did. And you coming up with the, I don't know if it's disrespectful to say bit, but like the bit. It's so disrespectful. <laughs> oh, so honestly, I feel off put. <laughs> um, writing wise for um, your soon to be Emmy nominated stand up routine. How, like how, how long 
the, what's that process like for you? Because I'm imagining you being just triggered the entire time, or is your anger like over? It was like half and half, and then like some people could tell that like I was like not doing well. Sometimes like some of my friends would be like, "Look, you're like in a hell of your own making," and I'd be like, "That was not like a nice thing to say." <laughs> I mean, like that girl who like slapped me, I'd be like, "So yeah, you're slapping people, huh?" <laughs> Just like, all right, <laughs> super helpful feedback. <laughs> um, but like, no, people would say things like, you know, like you should add more jokes and stuff. And I was like, I was like, I'm fine if no one laughs at this. I'm like super comfortable with that. And people were like, what? As a comedian, that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, this really good comedian like is out here jerking off at people. So I think nothing really makes that much sense. I'm not like super worried about the structure of this bit. <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. And people are like, I think if it was better structured, people would respect it more. And I'd be, I was always like, no, I don't think that's what people don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my like, um, uh, my uh, like, uh, you know, punchline placement, <laughs> so people were uh, uh, begrudging against you, me. <laughs> I, the video I saw for the Seattle stand up, um, I just kept thinking of the people in the front row. You like, whip out, you whip out a I cop. Did, and it's I just did so, tell and then you're the like fucking talking that, after, like, and it's dangling. Like, like the first few times I did it, I didn't tell anyone, and I tried to get booked on like club shows, places that like people who I thought were booking Louis C.K. were doing stand up and interacting. That's where I was trying to do it. I was like trying to get it in front of people who I'm like, I know you willfully want to ignore this. So I was like trying very hard to get it seen in those places. And then after I had done it like 30 times and maybe 20 times, I was like, okay, this seems like it's more about like, it's like grown to the point of more like I'm like ambushing like regular shows. And now like people are like coming to see me do this. So I then started being like, hey, the host, could you like tell the audience that I'll be doing this and tell them that if they don't want to see it, they should leave for a while and come back and I won't be offended. And that also if they start watching it and they think they're going to be fine, but then they aren't fine watching it and they leave, I won't be offended. Gotcha. And that's actually what consent is. And they like totally have agency to leave if they want. And like the people who said those lines were like amazing. They were so good at saying them and they like did a great job. And like a couple of times I was like hosting the same show that I would do it on. So then I'd be the one to warn people. But most of the time I had like somebody else do it and they were like very good at it. Um, but like, it didn't start that way at all. Like it started that I was like trying to show up at literally the cellar and be like, you book sex offenders. What's wrong with you? How do you get, they don't screen your stand-up or you just lie? Like, you're like, oh, no, I'm going on as Kelsey. I told everyone what I was doing. And they were all like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's amazing. I told everyone. I was like, you don't have to book me. I'm not going to lie about what I'm doing. <laughs> like, that's not – I'm trying to be consensual. Yeah, right. That's so, right. like, everyone who booked me knew what I was doing. And how many times have you done the – is the performance the same i legitimately think it ended up being like 40 or 50 times like it ended up being so many times that is crazy because i stopped doing stand-up as myself during that time and i would only do stand-up as that one act as penis ck okay 
And so if you like had me on a show, one time I got booked as myself and then also did do penis CK on the same show. And I honestly wish I had just done stand up as penis CK and not as myself. And I didn't do it again as myself also. Cause it's just it's so hard. Really? Why? Cause it was like, okay, be nervous and be yourself and then be nervous and be this weird outlandish character. Like I was just like, it was just like a total mind fuck. I was like, this is too much. The character doesn't help almost like hide yourself with the nerves. Um, I mean, just like people's reactions were like, sometimes like men in the audience got like very like outwardly angry at seeing it. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Fucking man and it, and that was like a whole part of it. Like I wouldn't like hang out. I would like change my outfit very quickly. And then I would leave altogether because I was like, what if I really have angered at someone who'd like murder me in the parking lot? Yeah, were there any confrontations? Um, there was like one guy who walked out like very aggressively out of a show and his girlfriend like followed him and my my boyfriend listened to this interaction. So they like left the show and he was she was like, Hey, like, why are you so mad? Why are you like you're being so loud and like you're just like leaving the show? And he was like, yeah, fuck that girl. Like, that's nothing. That's not comedy, whatever. And the girl was like, yeah, but you're, like, not just not laughing. You're, like, really mad. And he, she's like, I, like, studied art. Like, I can tell that she's doing, like, performance art. And he's like, no, fuck her, whatever. So mad. And the girl was just like, I don't really understand why you're so upset right now. And I'm like, if that girl is smart, she went home, thought about it. And then woke up the next morning and said, hey, I don't think we should see each other anymore. It seems like you've done some horrible shit, possibly, or you're reconciling with knowing that someone you are friends with has done bad shit. Something's going on. Man, that, yeah, that, the awareness and the conversations, again, it's why I love talking to people um, from all over. I would not even considered awareness about sexual assault through comedy shows and the conversations that should happen later on like that example i never would have considered it was a very um it's interesting to like put yourself in a position where you're like um you know not that safe (laughs) like i wasn't just doing stand-up and being a girl doing stand-up which is now like pretty like known most people are fine with it Sometimes people are upset. Sometimes people are like, I wish this was a boy. But most of the time people are like, fine, whatever. But I put myself in a situation where I was like, some people I know are at this show. And they love Louis C.K. They love him. He's their god. And I'm saying, not only do I not like him, he's also done some bad things. And I think they're bad. And I think you should think they're bad too. And some people did not want to hear that ever in their whole lives. And no one was going to say it as loud as I was. I don't think. Or as blatantly. As yeah. No one was going to force them to see Louis C.K. jerking off at them the way I did. <laughs> I, I did not see it coming, man. And I was just like, wow. But that being startled like that, you then it helps if you've not been startled in that way you're like wow that that emotion I mean, is yeah like, like i definitely like point. gave you like a performance 
you know, art style of like what sexual assault is. Yeah. The, so, the like, fact that you're like, it's consensual. I'm asking you this question. Are you okay <laughs> while doing it is like the, right. the, the, the irony in that. Just so right. Funny. What are you going to do? Leave. So and even though I said you could, what are you going to do? Leave. How's it affected your comedy career? Like, so, um, and I guess I should ask this first. Like, are you, um, only positive. <laughs> no one's even being weird about it at all. <laughs> so people are like, "You're so chill." <laughs> not intense. You, it's just, it's just a real mellow ten minute conversation. It's like so casually. Really, like not. that was weird, and I'm like totally. <laughs> not, too, not too serious. <laughs> uh, but so you're no longer doing that routine. Did I hear yeah, that? Yeah, no, or? I mean, like, I, like, want to live my own life. It, like, lived, it lived. Um, but my friend and I did do, a writer for Forbes, who's, like, a really funny comedian, uh, Rosa Eskindone, she uh, and I put on a show called Penis CK and Friends, and she dressed up as um, Wood Allen, and she just talked um, all about, um, uh, you know, how he fucks his daughter um, and such and, and assaulted, uh, you know, pedophile his other daughter um pedophile both daughters actually uh but you know really stuck in there with that one um but we like hosted the show together as these characters and like it was very like um you know the show like did well and such but it was like she was like we should do it again and I was like you want to do it again you're crazy and she's like yeah I did it again <laughs> and I was just like all right <laughs> maybe we'll do it again I would do it again with her because she was really into the idea and she was really, she like rallied around me, you know? So like that made it like way more fun for me. Would I do it on other people's shows again? Not unless I had like a reason. Because like, I'm just like, you know, I just would rather like talk about how much I like my mom, (laughs) you know? Like, so much less, like, um, emotionally taxing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. And, like, the other comedians usually don't get, like, irate about it. it so, that's what I was wondering in a clunky way out loud. Like, transitioning to being, going back to you, is it easier, harder? Has it, like, actually opened doors because people appreciate your bravery yeah, I mean, you were, I either made, like, incredible people who, like, love me forever or, like, the most hated, you know, I'm either, like, the villain or I'm, like, the hero. And then what is, like, really interesting is, like, some people are, you know, victims of assault doing comedy, watching me do this comedy, and they're, like, dear comedy, you know, doing PNC. It was very triggering for me, and I feel like you didn't consider people being triggered enough who are victims of assault. And it's like, here's the thing about being a victim of assault, uh, because I am one, so we all handle it really differently. So, like, sometimes, like, when I get home and I'm, like, all by myself and I get in a dark room, I get triggered. (laughs) And it's like, well, that's not something I can avoid. So it's like, yeah, did I shove sexual assault in people's face? Yes. But I am actually fine with that. Do I feel bad it made people feel bad? Of course. Do I feel bad it made sex offenders feel bad? I love that. That's why I did it. <laughs> love that. <laughs> Gives zero fucks. <laughs> like, 
that. And I do feel bad for victims of assault who think, like, in some way or another, I'm not an ally to them because, like, you know, me not doing my art doesn't, you know, or me doing art doesn't make me not their ally. But if they think it does, that makes me sad. Yeah. But that's not really up to me. No, you know, that would have to be a conversation to clarify, to get a backstory, to understand right. why you're doing and, it. And so I did reach out to like a lot of victims of assault, like on Twitter, I was like, Hey, if you were triggered by penis CK and you feel like you would like an apology from me, I would love to give that to you. And probably about 10 people DM'd me and I DM'd them back and they were like, it was triggering for me, but you know what? Overall, I really did like it. I liked what you were trying to do with it. Yeah. But I was triggered by it, and I really appreciate you apologizing. And I'm like, I'm happy to do it. Yeah. It's really easy for me to apologize because um, I don't apologize for anything I don't feel bad for doing. And I do feel bad that I made them feel bad. But I don't feel bad for doing it. I feel bad that it made them feel bad. Yeah. But that's, like, the same as me saying, like, I'm sad sexual assault exists. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, I feel bad. You feel bad. <laughs> Dude, the way you word things, man, they, um, it, it, it cracks me up. It cracks me up. All right, Kelsey. Well, I'm really glad you got something from this interview. You kept me on talking so much longer than Dude, I thought. You, you, I was like really thinking I would, I would be out at 10 and you kept me until 1130. I'm actually shocked. This, yeah. this is a full two and a half hours, right? Or is a whole hour and a half? It, it's probably, it, oh no, it's two. I got 220, but Kelsey, before you go. Oh my God. How did you do it though? That's like very impressive. And I feel like you just like kept asking questions. You are good. You're good. You're subtle. I read a review of your podcast that was like, he just gets people to tell all their secrets. He's so good at it. And I was like, I'm going to ask him questions. I'm not going to give away my, no, but you said, I just said everything. Yeah, you you're very, you're, you're very friendly. You did. Thank you. I'm from Delaware. That's what we do. We're basically like Canadian light down here. Sussex yeah. County. I feel like I've got like Southern hospitality, but you you do you have got that 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 charm Midwestern charm. Yeah. So and honestly, part of part of my and I don't want to keep you on keep you on, but part of what um like my job and what I have to do, I have to walk into a room, sit down next to you with twenty eight other kids, and try to help you complete an assignment without you feeling bad about yourself, but you feeling empowered. So like, that's what I've kind of been trying to do with students in classrooms for 10 years. And I I take it serious. I don't, if you need assistance, I'm not like, Hey, Kelsey, excuse excuse me, Miss Smith, Kelsey, I need to see you. I'm the reading specialist here to work on your You're trying to be more respectful of the kid. Yeah. That's like a lot. So you got to establish a relationship. You don't, and I don't know these kids. They're just like, Hey, here's a list. Go figure out how to help them. And you're like, well. And now you have no idea what these kids are even going through anymore. Like. They have like real shit at home. They've yes. got like real shit on the internet. They've yes. got like real, real shit they're looking Every at. Day. I'm like, dude, they turn into three different people throughout the day. By period three, yeah. by ten o'clock, all of a sudden, they could have got four different airdrops that you have no idea about. I know, I know. And, I and mean, I feel like airdrops. you know, I feel like I relate to high schoolers and middle schoolers in that way. You know, like it, it's it, it it's I'm so like, much. I get it. It's real. Yeah, so it, like for you to care like about that and like respect the students in that way, I think you're doing that's good shit. Thank you. So, so if you don't, are their little feelings, you know. If- because that's like they could remember that for their whole life, you know, like oh, this one guy like 
he did this thing for me, but he did it in a way that I thought was like really nice, actually. I had a student on they my. They would not say it to your face, probably, but maybe in their hearts. I got a message, man. I posted, oh, you did? On, posted it on Instagram. She's fucking 23. She came on the podcast. She had like this sickness allergy. And she was your student yeah. when she was in middle school? Yeah. Scroll through. Oh my um, God, that's so cute. On my Instagram, I put up part of the message and um, I haven't posted the pod yet. It, it'll get out there. But she was just like, I always felt my brothers were so good and school came easy to me. And it was about her being a writer. She was like, you wouldn't critique my writing about grammar and focus on the negatives. You just kept gassing me up about how good my thoughts were and encouraging me to like be me. And then you kind of taught me these cheat codes of how to get points by being me. And I just felt so empowered by it. And I'm like, Fuck yeah, that's, that's huge. Exactly no, huge. that's huge. It's, so you've already been doing it for a long time. Yeah, yeah, this student felt so yeah. so cared for. Yeah. That's so nice. No, no, it's it's it's, it's the exact it's reason so why people easy. should teach. It's so easy to accidentally bring people down, even accidentally, even yes. when you're not you're not even meaning to. Oh, I so do like, that shit all the time. <laughs> to take the time to build a kid up that way on purpose like that is shit that people remember for their whole lives there is a little bit of a science to it and people act like they're like i I do this thing where like i have belt buckles and like i have like an air jordan belt buckle i have a batman belt buckle i have a mario belt oh okay (laughs) Okay. i I was like i was that a thing no well i don't know if it is a thing but it's my it's like my thing but like i I got a pretty good one here a little texas one yeah, yeah, exactly. So picture that as yeah. the jump man for Jordan. Okay, yeah. Or like I Mario. like that. That's fun. So yeah, you go in, man, and like people are like, what are you trying to get some attention to your crotch? I'm like, yes, in a middle school, that's my goal, <laughs> is to get attention to my crotch. That's my ultimate goal for 11 year olds. Oh, these to be kids are at too much. That's, that is No, okay, that's you. what adults tell me. Oh, the adults yeah, tell dude, you? Yeah, dude, I'm oh my God, kids. What's wrong with them? The, the kids. <laughs> what's wrong with them? No, the kids are like, Oh, you play Please Mario? Kid. I'm like, okay, kids kind of say whatever there yeah. comes no, out right. But adults, know. that's like, is so rude. Yes. that's I, I took it as, I'm like, yes, because I publicly want to do, no, dude, I'm doing it for the fucking kids. Because I don't They're know cr- the Yeah. Kid. You want I, them to feel comfortable, like yeah. you're silly and fun. They immediately not can associate so with it. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, cool. And then you work into empowering and working on strategy. Kelsey. Yeah. See, you did it. You got me sidetracked. All right, Kelsey, we're going to get no, you out of here. No, I didn't. I didn't. I liked hearing about your teaching. I think that's really, I, some of my favorite people in the world are teachers and my boyfriend's parents are both teachers and, uh, you know, people don't talk about how teachers are really like the next thing other than parents that can really like do oh, man. so much good for people's shape. lives they can they can shape they do shape they can give or they can take away you know yeah, like man. if you have a teacher that makes you feel dumb you're probably gonna feel dumb for a little bit for your whole life but if you have a teacher that made you feel really smart then you'll probably feel smart a little bit for your whole life empowered empowered yeah i I've, yeah. I, I i struggle with dealing with the grouchy teachers i kind of have to in my position i don't know because i'm like i don't get it i don't see teaching as work I see it as yeah, a like you like had, you're the exact person who should be a teacher. Then my boyfriend's parents are the same. I mean, they're yeah. so excited to show up to work and like be with the kids and yeah. like the whole thing. Like they 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 live for it. Yes, exactly. And like there there almost needs to be like some sort of COVID test, like teacher test. Like your DNA is sorry, your DNA is just not right to empower kids. <laughs> Go do something I know. else. And like some people view it as like such a like career option more than like is your personality correct for this? Because yes. it's like. It's actually like a big servant position to be a teacher, like very humbling thing. 
Yes, because you get you get thanked with five dollar Wawa cards or burnt, <laughs> burnt chocolate chip cookies that a kid is trying to make for the first time on their own, and they're like, like "Eat so some nice. in front of me," and you're like, "Delicious." That's so nice. You know? Yeah. No, and it's like very. You know, if you did your job right, then probably maybe no one even says anything to you. <laughs> exactly, man. You know, and, it's just like casual. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then if you do your job badly, like there's like actual real world repercussions, maybe. Yes, 100%. It's like really make or break for like, you know, I don't know. Like I, uh, I was a little bit sad. Like, you know, I was, I did PNC cam kind of like an impulsive person and, uh, and I'm so happy I did it. I'll never regret doing it. And it's and it's mostly brought like great things to my life and also kept other people who are horrifying away from me because That's they're scared true. of me now. I didn't even think about that. That's a good They're call. scared of me. They're scared of, I'm gonna say that they did something bad and it's like, yeah, if you did something bad and I heard you did something bad, I'm definitely gonna say it. That's a great point. Stay away from me. Don't get too close to me. That's a great point. <laughs> Like, I'll find out, and I won't feel any feelings about telling every single person I've ever met. I'll make puppets, motherfucker. (laughs) I will. I literally will. Um, But, like, I did think at at one point, like, you know, before COVID, like, COVID changed a lot of things. But I had been done doing penis CK before COVID. So then I was like, can I, like, not be a teacher anymore? Did I, like, fuck that up for myself? And it's like, like, maybe not. (laughs) I, I gotta be honest. I think, so number one, kids would, it trips me out. Kittle randomly, that doesn't even, I, I don't know the kid's name and I know a lot of kids. They'll be like, you're the dude with the podcast. We Googled yeah. you. And yeah. that shit is trippy because right. different guests come on here and we talk we fucking, about different stuff. We talk, yeah. man. We talk. And I, and yeah. I, and I definitely I mean, like, enjoy some wine. Drink it. Just what, just what we just talked about. I'm like, um, okay, I guess a middle schooler could listen to it. <laughs> but <laughs> so like, honestly, like, they kind of like, should. So like, I, I remember being in fifth grade. Actually, have you read the book Speak by Lori? Yes. <laughs> Speak is, I, 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 okay, I did not read the book. My best friend told me she really felt like she identified with that book, which made a lot of sense. And, um, we like probably like three years ago, I, she like came over to New York and like stayed with me for like a week and we ended up watching speak together and we both just like held hands and like cried. It's a movie. Yeah. It's a movie. And it stars fucking, um, uh, Twilight, uh, Kristen... Kristen Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. No shit. I'm sure we're talking about the same. We're talking about the Yeah, yeah, no. Well, yeah, because yeah, the girl, it's about sexual assault. Yeah, there's no way we're talking about it. I'm like, so, is it the book I'm thinking of called Silence? No, 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 no yeah. <laughs> so I guess the reason I bring it up is um, what you're saying about sexual assault, I guess inadvertently, that's the type of book, like I would spend my summers finding books like that to have in my fifth, sixth grade library. For yeah. students. And it's for just them like, to kind of come across. Yes. And it's yeah. just be, hey man, here's an interesting story. I thought it totally. was really well done, the concept. And now you're getting that awareness. Um, but uh, I, I, um, so yeah, all that to say, I don't know if this content would be inappropriate. I've definitely had podcasts where there is a lot of bad content for middle school ears and my daughter's ears. I was apologize. Yeah. I'd be interested when she comes across. How old this. is your daughter? 11. 
Okay, yeah. So she'll listen to some of it at some point. It's, dude, somebody's <laughs> going to tell her. So she comes to middle school next year. She'll be in my building next oh, year. okay. So I'm sure so, some eighth grader who knows yeah. me or well, something. Well, but she knows. You just have to You maybe have another conversation with her. Yeah, well, she, I tell her. But I, she knows. I yeah. tell her, yeah. We watch Naked and Afraid. I've had Naked and Afraid guests on because she was like, Daddy, it'd be cool oh, if you really? talked. Yeah, three oh, of Oh, that's them. hilarious. Four, actually. Four. Um, yeah, man, because she was just like, Daddy, it'd be cool if you had them on your podcast. And I'm like, did you just say your dad could be cool? It will happen. <laughs> That's like, so, I like my dad. I have a good dad. So I feel like, you know, people don't uh, get enough credit for being like a good, a good dad and like having trying. Do you watch the show Bob's Burgers? Uh-uh. Okay. It's like a cartoon. It's on like Fox or whatever. I watch it on Hulu and it's just like a cartoon of like a little family, but like the parents, like, the family, like, they're, like, you know, not perfect, and they're all, like, big personalities, but, like, good dad, you know? Like, show about a good dad. Show about a good mom. Like, gotcha. parents who, like, generally care about their kids and, like, want them to be, like, happy and, yeah. like... Supportive. You know, like, invested. yeah, support, like, do their weird shit and, like, yeah. you know, be proud of them and stuff, and it's, like, I'm so not surprised that I, like, find that show so comforting i'm like yeah the dad's just like says he's proud <laughs> yeah it's amazing it, it's the like, like the full house concept right like goes so far yeah, yeah totally the, i'm yeah. disappointed stephanie i'm disappointed in you and that's the only yeah. thing she needs and she's crushed where it's like i mean DJ, like no that totally job. when i was a kid that totally worked on me i was like so like you know, by the time I was in high school, I was like, I have to learn how to lie better again because I can't have my parents be disappointed in okay. me. Like, yeah. I can't, I couldn't handle the pressure of getting caught for any of the things I did bad. So I had to just make sure I was very good at getting away with things. That's awesome. Which my brothers were always like, you always did the worst things and you never got caught. And I was like, and that was my burden. Do you know the pressure I felt with that? I had to act like... I didn't even do any of that bad stuff. And I did. I basically had to tell myself whether or not that stuff was bad or not based on how I just felt about it because I never got caught. Can you share something silly that you didn't get caught with? That if your parents make it this far into the conversation? Oh my God, yeah. Like uh, all of the things. Like, you know, <laughs> smoking pot in my front, my best friend's backyard and, you know, like drinking wine at the family thing and you know uh like sneaking wine or someone giving you wine like sneaking wine sneaking. and like you I know uh know you going like cool going one. and saying i was feeling at my friend's house and driving to a different city and sleeping at my college boyfriend's dorm that's next level like <laughs> i was like bad <laughs> But I would say I also am exactly the same level as bad as I am currently, which I would say most people would say is, like, so incredibly good. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think, oh, the, the college boyfriend thing um, might be a little trigger for me. That's my fear. My I, uh, Like, you trigger. My, my mom fear. was not happy. I did get caught for doing that, and my mom was not happy. <laughs> How'd they catch you? I dropped my wallet in a parking lot. And a kind stranger found it and called the emergency number, which was my mom. And he, she was like, what city? Whose wallet? And then my mom called me and was like, hey, I got this interesting phone call. Where are you right now? And I was like, the mall. And she's like, you're at the mall. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, okay, well, where's your wallet? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> What's happening? 
that she was, I was like, oh yeah, it's probably in my car or something. <laughs> just like, why would she ask that? That's like crazy. Like, yeah. now I'm like an adult. I'd be like, why are you asking about my wallet? Psychological warfare. But then I was like, you know, just like probably in the other room. She goes, who are you with? I'm like, you know, my friends. She's like, oh, put them on the phone. I was like, they're all in the, do you know where I am? She's like, yes. <laughs> also, how long were you going to lie for? <laughs> I was like, honestly, like, Every single thing you said, I was going to <laughs> just keep it going. I was like, I was never going to stop lying. That was never the part of the plan. I'm planning on lying some more later down this conversation. <laughs> it's rule number one, man. You die with the lie. I definitely one. was like very like. Uh, my parents were like, "You're lying right to our faces." I'm like, "You what? You don't want to hear what the truth is. <laughs> you wouldn't like any of it." <laughs> What's better, an unenjoyable like, truth or a really enjoyable lie? Let's be real, Mom. <laughs> I'm like, um, I feel like you guys like it better when you think I'm at my friend's house. And I think, like, I'm a fan of you guys, and I just, I like to see y'all happy. I want you to sleep well. <laughs> Can we just, like, you will get a good eight hours tonight if you just think I'm with Miranda. I just don't think it surprised my parents at all when I was like, yeah, I think I want to live in New York City. And they were like, yeah, I think that's like, uh, you were like, have been gunning for that for like, since you were a teen. <laughs> like, to was, just like, be like, I live very far away. Yeah, Was that a big deal moving Austin to New York City? Um, Yeah. I mean, for me, I didn't know anyone when I moved here. I didn't have any friends, so... Uh, it was very, it was all very exciting. I did stand up like, like three open mics a night, every night for like a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. But that's gotta be a great way to meet people though, too. Right. To like, yeah, I mean, group. I met some people that I'm like, still know and still think are like so funny. And I feel like so lucky to have like done such low level comedy with these people who have like become so amazing. So that's been like really interesting. Um, and some people I know who I'm like, you are bad and you always have been bad. And I know that because I've known you for five years. <laughs> bad at comedy, I'm assuming. No, like bad at being, um, not doing bad things to other people. When people are bad at comedy, I don't mind that. People, you know, comedians notoriously are very picky about comedy. And I would like to be the first comedian to say, I am much more judgmental about people's actions and the way they treat others than I am about people's um, comedy performance, because I do think comedy performance is stupid and unimportant at best. It's supposed to be, right? Hopefully. Um, And at worst, it's like morally like abhorrent. (laughs) But at best, it's like silly and dumb. Yeah. Well, Kelsey, um, I tried to close the show and then we just did another 10 minutes. We are going to get you out of here on this. There's, I'm not answering any questions. Okay, I'm ready for it. You caught me talking. I'm going to walk out to the room. My boyfriend's going to be like, you talked for like so long. And I'm going to be like, yeah, you know, I agreed to it ahead of time. (laughs) Kept me on. This fucker just wouldn't let me I said I was going to go to bed at the beginning of this. Like if anyone was like, she seems tired. And then now I'm like... No, I think I just hadn't really talked to anyone all day. (laughs) (laughs) That was the first thing. I was like, damn, this is going to be fun. Someone who's like, yeah, I'm just beat and I might (sighs) call it off. I really was like, I felt like I had one good hour in me, but I'm being honest. I'd say the first hour wasn't even my strongest hour of this podcast. Took you a while to warm up. Took you a while. You should edit out the first hour. Just we'll make it, um, we'll put it on the Patreon as like exclusive content. 
the behind if the you're, scenes first. If hour. you're a middle schooler and this is your middle school teacher and you're listening to this, go ahead and let him know which hour you think I was strongest in. <laughs> Extra credit. <laughs> At school on, on Monday. <laughs> Extra credit. All right, Kelsey. Can I get, I'm not even going to set it up. I'm just going to drop it on you. See where you Okay. Go. I'm ready. <laughs> that was kind of a setup though, but I'm ready. Can I get your best first for last? We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. What are you saying? There's no setup. What do you, t- how do you interpret it? What do you take that as? Best first what? for last. My best first for last. Are you asking me what my best first time I did something was? For the last thing, people listening will get to know about you. Oh, okay. But what is the thing? <laughs> That's it. Best first for last. Anything. Okay, my best first thing just ever, just that happened to me or that I did? Wherever you want to take it, man. I, I leave it vague and it's almost like a social experiment. And then Yeah, I, what did other people say? Did they oh, say I can't tell you because that'll influence you. I can tell you maybe later, but it's my interesting. My best first. There are some common threads that get popped up. Okay. I, since we were talking, I was talking about stand-up so much, so I'll talk about stand-up some more. The first time I ever did stand-up. Love it. I went to my local comedy club in Austin, Texas, and I went there. And I was sitting there, I was very nervous. I had my name on the open mic list. I was about to go on stage. And the man, there was a man who was hosting the show. And he was like an older comedian, probably like 37 years old. And I was 20 years old. Um, maybe maybe 19. I was very young. <laughs> and I was like very nervous. And I was standing there with my like little notebook. And um, the guy came up to me and he said, I've never seen you here before. Is this your first time doing stand-up ever? And I said, um, yeah. And he said, oh, well, I'll just say that to the crowd and then they'll be like really easy on you. And that'll be like a really good experience. And I said, no, don't tell them this is my first time doing stand-up. I want to know if I'm actually any good at this. So please just don't tell them. And he was, like, very off-put by me saying no. He was very off-put by me interacting with him pretty much at all, even though he came (laughs) up to me and started talking to me. And then, so when he called me on stage, he's, like, doing the names, right? And he's like, all right, so your next performer, um, she is um, kind of a bitch. Please welcome to the stage, Kelsey Cave. (laughs) And I was like, it's me. It, do, I don't go, we don't have really comedy shows in Delaware. Like, is it common for the host to kind of fuck with the comedians like that? Like, that's just part of it? I mean, like, definitely this guy was um, upset that I didn't want to do his thing because uh, I didn't want to do I wanted to, like, know if I was any good at stand-up. Like, I wasn't trying to, like, practice stand-up and, like, you know, this is my first time yeah, and, get and, and tomorrow it'll be better. I was just like, this is like whether or not I'm going to keep doing this. Like, this is like science. I'm not trying to like, this is our opening night of the theater show and we have a hundred more. It's like, no, I was like, am I good at stand up or not? Let's find out. <laughs> what, were, what were some of the things like, can I call them bits? What were some of the bits or the topics that you uh, had comedy or the first show? 
I'm like, honestly, like shockingly similar to the comedy I still do now. I was just like, I love my family so much. It's kind of crazy. They smother me with their love. <laughs> like, just like, so had like the sweetest disposition ever. Just like, isn't it crazy when your parents love you so much? <laughs> um, yeah, I know. But like, sometimes hosts like, will like fuck with the people especially if the people are friends like if you're friends with a host like I would fuck with people that way like I'd say like this next comedian did a TED talk and we've never talked about it maybe they'll talk about it right now and it's like you know they'll be like uh I, I did do a TED talk <laughs> um you know stuff like that but uh you know when you're a girl and you're in stand-up when you're a woman sometimes people are like this next comedian she's actually a lady <laughs> and it's like cool and then you, you nailed just, it. You got to put like whatever connotation they're putting on lady or. Yeah. Like I've seen women just like destroy people who have said that. Just be like, and our last comedian is, I want to say little dick asshole. What was it? What was your name? Like I've heard <laughs> like people get vicious. Um, but like most of the time you just have to be like, well, I don't want to waste my time on stage interacting with what this person I hate said. Oh uh, yeah. Right. So, so most people just completely brush it off. Um, but like, I'm the kind of person that wouldn't. <laughs> you'd have to get like the last word in the zinger. Uh, yeah. And also like, I don't care more about whatever my jokes are than um, uh, telling someone to go fuck themselves. But that'll always be more important to me. <laughs> and just like other people are more professional at comedy and uh, they feel differently. And I respect that. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds right. like they're going to be very successful. <laughs> And have more people like them. Definitely more like, definitely more well liked. De definitely. <laughs> Dude, what happened that night that made you keep going? Oh, I did great. Yeah. <laughs> how did you measure the greatness, or how did the greatness get to you? How did oh, it you can you can you? just tell, you can just you can feel it. Like I got laughs, like when I stopped talking at the time periods, I was like, this is when people would laugh. Gosh, they yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, that had to be. I've I've done that with teaching lessons where I anticipate where kids will be excited at a certain point, but I've never tried to like write jokes and anticipate they'll oh my god write yourself a little joke see what happens like yeah, yeah right? you should but it just like it, it that's hell of intimidating to me too to be like i mean yeah like wow. i even this last time i did stand up like the first time i did stand up since pandemic like because clubs are you know the whole like scenes are opening again i i did i did a show these girls asked me these women who are very funny asked me to do their show and i really like them so i said yes and on my way there, I had like a like full on little child's temper tantrum. I was like, I don't even know if I want to do this career. Like, what am I doing? Like, do I even want to go? Like, I had like a full on like spinning out. Like, maybe I should just cancel. Is that just and nerves? Because you hadn't done I, it in so long. I got there, and I was like, I was like during the time I was throwing this fit, I was like, and I know I'm gonna do well, and that's just gonna make me angrier. <laughs> No and sense. I got there. I'm throwing this fit in front of my boyfriend. I get there. I do my set. I do amazingly. I get off stage and I'm like, <sighs> I knew I would do well. And I was just like, so like, I was just being like a little kid. I was like, it was like, 
I just, my feelings were like, you know, I feel so weird about, stand, you know, when your penis decay, all of a sudden stand up, it becomes kind of a weird thing. <laughs> Is that what you did that night or did you actually get to? No, know, no. Chelsea? I just did my regular jokes. I just, uh, it was very okay. personable. I was a lot like this. But like, I don't know. I just like always am now worried. Like uh, there's a comedian at the show who hates me or, or you know. Someone here is like not a fan, whatever. Or someone here is maybe likes me a lot and is gonna maybe tell me the worst thing that ever happened to them. <laughs> like it's like like a lot of different kind of interactions gotcha. happen to me. Yeah, that's a good. I didn't even think about that, man. Because that's something. <laughs> listening to Joe Rogan, that I get a little bit of insight too when he has comedians on about you're prepping before you're sitting there drinking or whatever. You're hanging out with your friends. You get on stage. You do five, ten, fifteen, twenty minutes. Get off stage and you kind of hang out the interaction for the audience to get to you, you're hitting at so many different levels. You never know yeah. what kind of person's going to come up at you. I definitely um, um, don't hang uh, if I am thinking that anything weird is going to happen. But this show was really good. And I'm people sure. came up to me afterwards and like really nice women in the audience were like, you were so funny and I follow you on Twitter. And like, I'm, I just was really excited to see you perform. And I'm like, that's so nice. I should remember that. Yeah, yeah. I should remember how nice that is. Not everyone is like this. Next comedian is Kelsey Kane. She's a bitch. Like some people are like this. Next comedian is Kelsey Kane. She's a fucking bitch. I love her. <laughs> like yeah. you know, like it's like both ways. Yes, connotation matters. I love um, it, dude. I'm, I had a good chat. This was really nice. Yeah, I'm. So, well, oh, sorry. Were you saying something? No, I was gonna wrap it up too, man. I'm just so oh, glad. Okay, that yes, you, I was doing the same. That you. <laughs> <laughs> that you, body language expert, that you were like <laughs> able to actually remember that you came on and that you answered a complete strangers. I forget if it was a tweet, DM, Instagram, whatever. I think you, I think you DM'd me and I was just like, you seemed nice. And then I looked up your podcast and I was like, yeah, you seem like a really nice person. Cool. Uh, Thanks. Appreciate it. I will, I will always go on the really nice person's show who seems like they're just like cultivating cool people. I will always do that. Helpful hint. Helpful hint, listeners. Um, I think you probably get that a lot, though. That people will come on? They will because you're nice. You oh. seem like, yeah, you'd make a good podcast. You're net easy to talk to. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. It's the uh, one skill that I've not yet figured out how to monetize well. <laughs> hey, no, having a podcast, you're getting there. Find out. All right, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... Oh, wait, no, it's summer. So you're like on summer. I was going to tell you to have a good day at school tomorrow. Tank, tank tops and tans should have gave it away. Absolutely. I, uh, oh, yeah. You look so summer. I'm yeah. hitting the beach up. Do I look like it's summer? No, I look like I haven't ever left my house before. You're missing <laughs> You're missing a scarf in a fireplace. Yeah, I look like a full-on, like, like I uh, work at an office in a cubicle. That's <laughs> so true. And you go close. Uh, no, I'm just. I'm, I was. I was gonna say something, but then I'm like, if I try to make a joke and then you make a better joke, I'm gonna end feeling bad about myself. So I. Won't. If I made a better joke, don't worry about yes. that. I've never made a better joke than anyone else. Lies. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on Two Scoops Network. Follow it. If oh anyone's yeah, made it this follow far. it. Um, I make podcasts on it. All right, dude. Enjoy your night. Thank you so much. Um, thank you so much. Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Listeners, search him up. It's Andre Psyche, P-S-Y-C-H-E, on social media. Give my man a follow, just for the fuck of it. 
Thanks to BetterHelp for supporting the Getting to Know You pod, join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about by going to betterhelp.com slash getting the number two, no, the letter U, and you, dear listeners, are going to get 10% off your first month. Remember, the link you're looking for is in the description. Thanks to Shady Rays for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Listeners, the promo code GETTING will get you 25% off your purchase at ShadyRays.com. That's promo code GETTING, G-E-T-T-I-N-G. And if you just want to give us some straight cash money, shout out Randy Moss, you can go to our Patreon and support the pod for as little as $2 a month if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. If you have not already, please friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. Later.